That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Baldface Truth, Stephen Vaughn, Julian Newby. Filling in for John Canzano once again as John is out today. Damian Lillard's still a blazer for now. Like I said yesterday, we're in the first quarter. This is going to be a long one, but there's going to be news that comes out and about what do you believe, what do you not believe. That's what you got to think about with Damian Lillard. Our very own John Canzano today, he wrote about Damian Lillard. Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? Sometimes players don't know what they don't know. It's your job as a GM to paint a picture. That was his quote that he put in there. And I think John's partially right on this. I do think it's the GM's job to make it known what the players should know. And I will say this. Joe Cronin hasn't done everything well, in my opinion, as the Portland Trailblazers general manager. Not even close. I I think there's a lot of moves you can look at and you can say, probably could have gotten a little more. Probably should have traded for another player. Probably shouldn't have traded this player. Maybe they shouldn't have re-signed Jeremy Grant to a five-year, $160 million deal. I don't know. There's a lot of things. But I do say this. Joe Joe Cronin's been pretty clear. Since the request of Damian Lillard's trade, Joe Cronin seems like he stood stood strong and says, the Blazers are going to get the best deal possible. I don't care if it's with Miami. I don't care if it's with anybody. We need to get the best deal for Damian Lillard. And I think that is the key takeaway from me on this trade offer right now. If Dame wants out, that's great. But the Blazers got to capitalize on it. But I also think this. I think Joe Cronin has been waiting for this moment since he took over the job as general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. His actions have spoken a lot louder than his words. When the request of Dame's trade came out, there was a lot of Blazer fans upset with the line and the quote-unquote backstabbing that Joe Cronin did to the fan base because he said, you know what, we want to build around Dame. Chris Haynes even tweeted out a statement from Joe Cronin, which was on Monday the 26th, which was the last time Aaron Goodwin, Damian Lillard, and Joe Cronin met before the trade request. And he said, we're still committed to building a team around Damian Lillard to win a championship. I didn't believe him. I know a lot of people didn't believe him as well. And then when Dame asked for a trade out, we got mad at him for lying. But every move that he has done has said, you know what? Since I took this job over, I've been wanting to start over. I've been wanting to start new. I've been wanting to look to trade Damian Lillard and have my own team. When he brought in Mike Schmitz to be his assistant general manager, what is he known for? He was an NBA mock draft analyst. Everyone respected him. Everyone liked what he did, but he was a mock draft guy. He wasn't a free agent guy. He wasn't a salary cap guy. He was about the draft. 
What has Damian Lillard always said? Well, he wants to play with vets. He doesn't want to play with 19-year-olds. Mike Schmidt specializes in 19-year-old basketball players. Like, that's just what it is. And it's been on the wall, yet we don't want to believe it because there's been so many fans that just love Damian Lillard and want him to stay in Portland for his entire career, which I understand. It's Damian Lillard, the all-time leading scorer for the Trailblazers. Like, he deserves to be loved in this market. These fans deserve to love him. But at the same time, the writing was on the wall since they got here, since Joe Cronin took over the job for Neil O'Shea. He wanted to start over. There was a piece um, when Damian Lillard was about to sign his extension by Woj that said there are some executives, some front office people that question giving Damian Lillard that contract extension. That's because said that some people would be very interested in the Blazers GM job if they didn't have to give Dame that extension. And I think Joe Cronin was the same way. But at the same time, Cronin looks at it and says, well, we can't lose Dame for nothing. We can't. We got to give him this contract, get some goodwill between me and the fan base, and then we can trade Dame later when I have an opportunity to do it. And the opportunity is now. Now, Judah talked about this yesterday, and he wrote about this, and he's been all over this. This trade could define Joe Cronin's legacy as a general manager and decides, you know what, if he ends up getting fired in Portland, if he gets another job or not, if he does good in this trade, he could be a hero in the eyes of the NBA and of Portland. If he does bad, well, he could be out and never get another general manager job again. That's how important this trade is of Damian Lillard. That is if he wants to be traded. That is if he is traded. Where does he get traded to? It's got to be for the right deal. Uh, we're bringing Judah in right now. Judah, you've been on this about Joe Cronin, how important this trade is. Do you think he's gone about it the right way? Because yes, he has technically lied, but if you just look at everything he's done, he's been wanting to rebuild. Is it is now the time that he really has to take advantage of and say, you know what? I'm putting my foot down. This is, this is the time I am the general manager. Here's my move. Well, a few things. Uh, good to see you, Stephen. Happy Friday. Hey, Happy yeah. Friday, everybody. Yeah. Um, great Friday. Out great there. Friday out there. Um, I think, number one, going back to the extension, you can't discount ownership also having to say in that. You know, I don't think it was a Cronin autonomous decision to give him the extension. Right. I'm sure Jody and Bert, you know, probably gave it a stamp of approval. We can debate what kind of muscle Jody or Bert have, but I'm sure that played into it. Butts and seats. Exactly. You got to have them. Uh, then secondly, I guess we'll see with Cronin if he's gone about this the right way. In my opinion, just looking at it realistically, I don't know that there is a right way to go about it. I just think you just go about it, you know? And for me, I got to divorce Cronin's public statements with his actions. I think that's hard for fans to do because all we get is public statements as fans from the GM and we want to take the GM at his word. But Cronin's interesting. The, you know, he cuts a, an interesting figure. You don't really know whether to take him seriously or not. He's not a great public speaker. He's kind of shaky. He doesn't come across as confident. And yet that doesn't mean that he can't be a cutthroat businessman if he has to be. And I think right now we're seeing a little bit more of a, of a cutthroat nature. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Because at the end of the day, you know, it depends on what the final get back is and the final result is for Damian Lillard. And to me, that really is all that matters. They should treat him respectfully, but like I said yesterday, there's a big difference between 
you know, a disrespectful trade of Damian Lillard and a messy trade of Damian Lillard. This is inevitably a messy process. It has to be. The guy signed a Supermax extension because he's drafted by the Blazers last year. That's going to pay him an average of 60 mil at age 35 and 36. Signed it last year. He's asking out a year later. We understand why he's asking out. We frankly agree with it. But it still inevitably means it's a messy process. He has he doesn't have a no trade clause. And yet he's trying to force a trade to one team and one team only and not take any How do you expect it not to be messy? So I don't put the mess part of it at Joe Cronin's feet at all. I just think that's the reality of the situation. I don't put it on Dame's feet at necessarily either. It's just the reality of the situation. But you can go about executing a messy trade and still be respectful in the process. And it sounds like that's what's happening so far. Yeah, it sounds like they are trying to work together, right? Like, it, it does sound I think like... so. It, it, from everything I've heard, it sounds like, you know, Aaron Goodwin has had good communication with Joe Cronin about Dame going to Miami. That's where they want to be. That's where Aaron Goodwin wants Dame to be. And Joe Cronin is saying, all right, we're going to try our best to get him there. But at the same time, we're not just going to take a lesser package. We need to work on it. Now, there's some things involved that the Heat could be doing. Um, we'll play this li- a little bit later. From Miami, Dan Levitard, their show, they're convinced that Dame is already, the deal's already done, and he's in Miami. Every deal that they have done up, leading up to this is going to add to Damian Lillard, and the Heat are going about the offseason as if Damian Lillard is on the roster right now. That's the way they're doing it. Very interesting comments they've had, but you even look at this. This is what I learned about Joe Cronin during this whole thing. You're right. He's not a great public speaker, and he's a little shaky, but he's also, he has some cutthroat in him. He has a little Neil O'Shea snaky, snaky to him. Remember this, when he put out this statement on July 1st, quote, we have been clear that we want Dame here, but he notified us today. He wants out. He'd prefer to play someplace else. What has not changed for us is that we're committed to winning. We're going to do what's best for the team in pursuit of that goal, end quote. He put the blame on Damian Lillard, like the scoring leader of the franchise. He put the blame on him, and that was a big-time comment coming off of saying, we're always going to build around Dame, and now this comment right as soon as Dame requested trade, he wants out. We don't want him out. He wanted out. Put the blame on him. Little new little Shay, little snake. So I'm with you. I, I think Joe Cronin has a lot to prove still, but so far, I think he's right. He's been doing a good job, and frankly, I love Dame. Dame is awesome, but I would want to trade him as well. If I was Joe Cronin when he got hired a couple years ago, I think the best option was to look to trade Dame and try to get draft picks and start over. Maybe it lasted a little too much longer than it should have, but Dame still has value because he's that good. And I don't think the Blazers were any close. Were close two years ago. They're not close last year. They're not close this year. At some point, they had to rip the bandit off and start over. And now it seems like they're going to do it. I think Joe Cronin wanted to do it two years ago, but now he's doing it now. And I don't disagree with him. I think it's the best course of action for the Portland Trailblazers going forward. And you can think I'm wrong on that. You can think the Blazers need to build around Dame. Just give him a winner. He deserves it. But you know what? That's not what's best for the franchise. The Blazers aren't close. There's not one magical move that's going to get Portland over the top or even contending. And I know Dame just wants to have a competitive team. I just don't see it, Judah. Like, well, I, we, I just we, don't see it. We crossed the Rubicon draft night. You know, that was Caesar crossing the Rubicon. You know, if you that was, you had one more chance to build a winner around Dame. And uh, they, you know, they took the road less traveled. Or more traveled, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. But 
You can't do it. You sure as hell can't do it now. There are no pathways to be able to build a winner you, around. You don't Dame. think there's any way that Dame would change his mind and say, "I'm I could be happy in Portland." Do you think there's any possibility that that could happen? No, not based on not based on what we have seen from him now. I mean, right. he demanded a trade. Yeah, to one requested. Team. He didn't. He's, he's requested a trade. As Kanzano said, it wasn't a demand yet; it's a request. I guess that is a fair. Uh, Difference of definition. It's a trade request to one team and one team only. Oh, and I don't have a no trade clause. Oh, and I'm going to be paid 60 mil in a few years. So I guess don't call that a demand. Yeah. But assuming that Lillard and Goodwin are simpatico on the strategy, there's no version of this where Dame is happy to be playing as a Portland Trailblazer again, based on everything we know. Right. Everything that's out there, there's no version of this that he would want to be back in Portland. Like, the die is cast. Man, there's a lot of Caesar in my uh, in my head today. The die is cast. Cross the Rubicon. This is over. And, you know, unless there's a Brutus situation going on here at 2 Brute, then he's going to be in Miami one come hell or high water. What? Let's just play hypothetical here. What if what if Dame came out and was like, you know what? No, nah, I'm cool. I want to come back to Portland. Like, he, would, he, would he get crushed by fans? What, I mean, I know the general NBA... Fans would crush him. Yeah, but everybody outside of Portland would crush him. But would Rip City welcome him back? Yeah, like yeah, he hasn't he so. hasn't burned that bridge yet. No, I don't think he's burned the bridge. I think if I think he burns the bridge if they if Goodwin and Lillard are burning everybody else from trading for him, you know, and like they're successful in what they try to do, and Portland comes up short on value. Yeah, that that's the burned bridge. You know, or anything he says about Portland after he's traded, that's you know negative because that's that's how we take things. It's really less about what happens on the court and more about what people say about you, right. say about us in interviews afterwards. You know, I'm a Seahawks fan, so obviously I'm pretty sensitive to the Russell Wilson deal, and so much of the Russell Wilson deal and the aftermath was the reporting that came after the trade. Oh, he didn't really want to be here. Oh, he didn't see eye to eye with Pete Carroll. Oh. The Eagles tried to trade for him last year. Oh, John Schneider met with Ryan Poles in Iowa to try to trade him to the Chicago Bears at one point. Oh, his agent gave the Seahawks a list of three teams that he'd like to be traded to. The Dallas Cowboys, you know, the uh, the Broncos were part of that and elsewhere. And it's like, that's, why, that's what made Monday Night Football in the season opener such an FU game. That's why he got booed in his first game as a Denver Bronco Super in his champion. old stomping grounds. Super Bowl champion, best quarterback. Best quarterback in the franchise. Exactly. You know, all-time leading passer, all that. He got booed in his very first game there. Why? Because of everything that came after the fact, after the deal. And whatever, you know, that's what I'll be interested in after this Dame stuff. I don't think it'll be the same as Russell Wilson. I don't think Dame was, like, cancerous in the locker room. I don't think he had too much of an outsized ego. Maybe a little bit, but not, not to the Russell Wilson. I don't think he's as much of a Jekyll and Hyde you know, persona as Russell Wilson was perceived to be in Seattle. But I am interested to see whenever this trade actually does go down, we learn more and more about it. And then what Damian Lillard actually says about Portland leadership, ownership, Joe Cronin, what he, what he says on the record. Cause he'll say something. Yeah. He'll go on with somebody and say something that might be the, the point where blazer fans turn on and say, you know what? Thanks for the 11 years, but I don't want to talk to you again. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think Dame, I don't think Dame would 
burn any bridges if he is traded, right? Like him and Scoot have already talked about, like they te- they've been talking, like they're fine with each other. Scoot said he would love to play with Dame. Like, you know, he said, he said that when he was drafted, like, yeah, I've texted Dame, you know, I've talked to him. Like, it's all good. Like, we're good. We're cool. I, I just, I have this feeling Judah that Portland is not going to get the trade offer that they desire. And maybe it's, maybe it's just, I'm overvaluing Dame. Maybe I think that it's going to be hard to not, harder than I, harder than everyone thinks is to pull off a three or four team deal. But I have this sneaky suspicion. I don't know. I, I'm guessing here. But Dame could be on the roster of Portland Trailblazer when training camp starts. And at that point, like I said, hypothetically, if Dame's in Portland, which he has always shown love for, is there a shot he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Like we can run it back again. I, I don't know. I, I, I just run all these ideas in my head. See if it's actually possible. See how I would feel. I feel like that is a possibility, not a high likely one, but that could happen. I don't know, man, this whole, this whole debacle, it, it just, it's, it's a debacle is what it is. Nobody knows anything that's truthful. And, you know, we just keep hearing from Aaron Goodwin saying it's Miami or bust Miami or bust Dame's going to sit out. I don't believe that for a second. If Dame got traded somewhere else, he's sitting out. Or if Dame stays in Portland, he's going to sit out. That, that's just not the way that dude is wired. Like he's not going to sit out and hold out at age 32 in the, you know, not in the twilight of his career, but kind of the twilight of his career and say, no, I'm not going to play in Portland or I'm not going to play in Boston because I only wanted to go to Miami. I think that is just ludicrous. I don't, I do not believe Aaron Goodwin on that. And I think they're just trying to play hardball in that situation. So I, I feel like there's a, there's a chance where Dame is on the roster during training camp. And what do you do with that situation? That's my question for you. Right. I just, I just don't know how I should feel about that. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, if, if a three or a four team deal is what gets the Blazers best value, then what does a timeline of a three or four team deal look like? It probably bleeds into training camp, maybe the regular season. But that's my thing that I said yesterday is you don't want Dame to get hurt either. Right. If he gets hurt, now you're really screwed. Because ultimately, I mean, he can't be here past the trade deadline, right? Like if, so It's one thing that. if he starts the year, you know, in Portland, but... This roster ain't going to be winning anything. No. And Bobby Marks, ESPN, he talked about this a little bit. I'll play the audio here. Because he traded Jason Kidd when he was on the Nets. Kidd came to Bobby Marks and gave him three teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Mavericks, in the offseason to be traded to. Marks said he they offered him to the Lakers. Lakers didn't want to give up Andrew Bynum. Offered to the Clippers. They didn't want to give up Sean Livingston. So it made it so Dallas was the only team left. And they eventually got the trade done on trade deadline day. But it lasted all the way there. So he says there's going to be a time when the Blazers and Dame, it's going to get ugly at some point. Portland. I think they are right now, but there's going to get a point when we get when we get closer to training camp if this hasn't been resolved. And then I think you might see some friction there as far as uh, what we say. We're in July and then August yeah. and September. We're in this honeymoon period right. where everything is good. He's there's thinking time. he's going to go to Miami. But what happens on that Tuesday when you got a report for camp? Right. And he's like, I'm coming to camp. I'm not in Miami. And now I'm not, now I'm in Portland. This this is my thing, Judah. Wow. I, I, and Bobby Marks touches on this. He's kind of saying, like, I don't know what the deal is. And I think I think it's another question. I'd love to hear people's opinion on it. 503-417-7575. Are we overvaluing Damian Lillard just a smidge? Are we overvaluing his value across the league? Because it seems to me that 
if this trade isn't done during the offseason and it does get to training camp, maybe we are overvaluing him a little bit. Maybe that contract, maybe teams are looking at his contract when he's 36, 37 years old and saying, maybe that's a little too much for us. Is Dame really going to transfer to that type of player later on in his career? Bobby Mark said it right there. Like, he thinks this could go all the way to training camp, and if it does, that's when it starts getting ugly. Right now, we're still in the first quarter. That, that's my analogy. We're in the first quarter right now. Summer League is starting. Blazers tipping off at 4 o'clock. Scoot Henderson era is starting. Scoot and Shaden Sharp era of the Portland Trailblazers is starting at 4 o'clock today. And I'm psyched for it. I can't wait. But you know what? That also means it's the end of an era with Damian Lillard. But it's still the first quarter of this trade. This could get a little bit uglier. I do wonder just what what is what the Blazers are going to do if they don't get that value that they think they can get for him and are they just going to give in and give him to Miami Heat are, answer me this Judah are we, when we look at the trade that the Heat are offering Tyler Hero you know two first round picks a couple pick swaps Jaime Hawkins will throw in there whatever Jovic is that the value that Damian Lillard has or when I say that's not good enough am I overvaluing Dame is, is it possible that I could be overvaluing Damian Lillard right now I think it's possible I I Still don't think that that's enough, you know, especially. And for me, it comes down to where Miami is going to be picking. It's not, going to be good. Not high. But I will say the pick swaps that are later on, that's when you could get a good deal back because Jimmy Butler's older, Damian Lillard's older. And if you have a pick swap in six years and J- Dame and Jimmy Butler are 38 years old, Miami's probably not going to be finals contenders. Yeah, but that's six they'll years from be now. a playoff team. Maybe it's, it's Miami, dude. It's it's the Heat culture. Yeah. There's no. Great when point. was Great the last point. time the Heat culture got a high lottery pick? Michael Beasley, maybe. I just don't see it happening. I don't think that's. I don't think that's something that you want to bet on with a Lillard trade. I'll put yeah, it that way. I mean, you got Spolster and Pat Riley leading that thing. I mean, that's that's as good as you can get. Best you know, coach, best you know. And Riley's, guy. you know, almost eighty. You know, Spolstra's getting older, obviously, too, even though he looks like he's 25 still. Looks great. He looks amazing. What a life that he lives, great, though, by the way. Great Portland man. Winning NBA titles. Raleigh Hills Elementary. Winning, Went for junior high. Winning titles. Jesuit. The best coach in the game and now lives at South Beach, just tan, looking great. Be- beautiful wife. Oh. Beautiful well. life. Now almost with Damian Lillard. You know, when we talk about like who, I'm not jealous. I'm just saying. No, when we talk about like whose life would we like to trade, like Spolstra. Oh, I think Spolstra would be sneaky higher than we actually assume. The one thing with him is that uh, he works all the time. That's true. He that is, is a workaholic. Thing. He is, which a is a problem, which you have to be. But that's part of the reason they're so successful. Yeah. So Dame, Dame value. I there's I, a chance we're overvaluing Dame. I will grant you that. Also, I think the contract's part of it. Yeah, but. You know, a little bit more on that. It's, it's like the cap's going up. I know I've said this before, and it might not be reality. Is there a chance the 57 and the 63 look a little less bad by the time that the new cap is here? Like, you it's, know what? It's, it's shocking to us right now, but it's also four or five years from now. Potenti- potentially, but remember what we said about where guys are going to get 70 a year. Remember what we said about the Al Farouk Aminu contract? Oh, the new TV money is coming in. The contract was still not great. Like all those contracts, Except Alan. Because the player was the Alan. Great. The Alan Crab contract. Oh, well, it's okay. The cap's going to go up. You know what? It didn't go up as high as everyone thought it was. And then that contract was terrible. There was a lot of bad contracts that year. So I, 
So, yes, I think in theory you are correct. It could look better, but I'm not counting on that for sure. Like, I still think it could still be higher part of the percentage of the cap than we think it's going to be. I also wouldn't rule out the Heat's ability to trade him, you know, yeah. at that point either, just because, like, they work with Black Magic down there. Um, not the Orlando Magic, I'm just saying. <laughs> Pat Riley has weird, you know, you never – that guy can do anything he wants to do. Send him to Orlando. Could have it. Actually, it would be very cool. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think that is far enough down the road where, yeah, there is some sticker sticker price shock, but there's enough avenues to where that full, you know, impact is not realized that it's hard to envision right now, but I think it's possible. All right, we're going to bounce to break when we come back. Uh, we've heard the Portland side. Judah and me, we've been covering the Portland side of this Damian Lillard trade. What does the Miami side think? We're going to listen to some, some Miami guys, how they view what's going on. And I tell you what, they think Dame's already in Miami. And this is all about content. You'll hear what we're talking about coming up on the Ball Face Crew. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Nubian for John Canzano once again, as John is out today. Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson. The era begins today, 4 o'clock. This line's gone crazy, Judah. You know me. I'm a gambler. Started out Blazers uh, two-point favorites. It's down, down to a pick em. Down to a pick. Uh, but they play the Houston Rockets and Amen Thompson, who was the number four pick. But Scoot and Shane Sharp, the era starts today. I can't wait. I'm excited to watch it. Again, I, I don't expect a lot out of these guys. I don't need them to go out and score 25 points and you know hit a bunch of step-back jumpers. I just want to see that you know they're doing the little things. They're playing some defense. They're making the right plays. They're making the right reads. I need to see some improvement out of Shane Sharp with the basketball. And for Scoot, I just want to see what the hype's about. Right, you watch videos of him, you watch games of him. The guy's a baller, but this is the first, you know, quote unquote NBA game that he has played in. I can't wait to watch it. But of course, the saga is Damian Lillard and uh, wanting out of Portland and wanting to only go to Miami, according to Aaron Goodwin, who is Dame's agent. Now, Dame, correct me if I'm wrong, Dame has not come out and said Miami is the only place. It's only like reports and. Aaron Fentress tweets, then he said he talked to Aaron Gooder, right? Like, it's never came out of Dame's mouth. Well, and so far as Dame hadn't tweeted it, and he hadn't said it on the record anywhere, I don't know if that means that he hasn't said it to Goodwin or right. if he hasn't said it to other people or you know, not said it to Haynes, but he hasn't said it himself directly that it's Miami and only Miami. The, the, the most Miami thing we've got out of Dame is uh, Will Smith in the background, and on the IG Live and the uh, comments he made to uh, the HBO podcast, the real-time podcast with uh, Brian, I'm forgetting his name, but uh, did, and, the, did hey. the interview with him, and he said, well, Miami, obviously, because they were in the NBA Finals, and then he said Brooklyn. So that's the most you know tie-in we got with, with Dame to South Beach in terms of him actually saying it. Bearing the lead a little bit also. He's made some comments to 750 The Game's Twitter account. That he has. Boy, that was wild. It's we, been a wild uh, few hours. You know, we're going to break that down. Break that down a little bit. I think, uh, you know, can we read in between the lines a little bit on those? Uh, yeah, I yeah, think we yeah. I think we absolutely need to. I would, We will. We'll do that a little bit later. But I do want to talk <laughs> about the Miami side of all of this. Right here in uh, Rip City. Again, I think maybe I'm overvaluing Dame a little bit. I think that could be possible, but I also think you don't want to get ripped off in this deal. Like this is a once in a lifetime trade, once in a generational trade. Dame the all-time lean score. You can't you can't take less for him. You gotta get what's valuable. But the guys down in Miami, Dan Levitard and his friends. I mean Al Alhas Al Hassan, who's down there, he was a former uh Suns 
front office guy, Mike Ryan Ruiz. He always is talking in, the, in these clips. But Levitar talking about the agents in this deal. When there's so much money being involved, agents have been working on this for a while. And Miami, he says, has been doing all these moves in the offseason because they know they have Dame. Listen to this. When we're talking about this level of superstar and when we're talking about this level of money, the agents have been working this shit out with these people for weeks now. Like Tyler Hero knows something. Tyler, and so I'd assume that there might be mechanics and details here that need to be worked out that I don't understand because I don't understand the intricacies of business the way that you guys did it. But I'm assuming also, like uh, dropping dimes, that this is done, that this is essentially done, and all that needs to be happen now is the agents have to agree to a couple more things. We had a party here at the Elser that was supposed to feature three Heat players. Only one of them showed up. <laughs> it was suspicious. Oladipo's already been sent away to Oklahoma City. They signed him and sent him away. When you're talking about $10 million, I know it doesn't sound like much because it's sports, but if they're sending him away to make room, first of all, if they're signing him, right? Because I, I was surprised. Well, we lost Oladipo? It was an option. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an option. He opted into the second year of his deal, and then they moved him. But that's you said that was the deal before the deal. Yes. And those it's not because they're trying to create the space to get Lillard. I believe it's because they know they've got Lillard. I don't know that I agree with this, Judah. He's claiming that they know they have Lillard already and because they went to a party and there was three Heat players announced, but only one came. Now, that is a little suspicious. I'll say that. And I do agree with him on this. This isn't new. Like, the Heat didn't hear the news on July 1st that Dame wants to request a trade. And they're like, oh, we need to get on the phone now. We need to start thinking about Damian Lillard to Miami. No, no. They've been thinking about this for years. And it seems like Aaron Goodwin has had a plan of saying, you know what? If we do request a trade... It's going to be Miami or bust. That's the only place we're going. So th this isn't out of nowhere. Like, Levitard is right on that point where agents, franchises have been thinking about this move for weeks, months, years. Who knows? But I don't, I don't agree with them in the fact that they're making these moves, these minor moves, because they know they have Damian Lillard right now. I have a hard time thinking that they know absolutely they've got Dame. You know, like Pat Riley is a swagger-filled cat. But you really think Pat Riley, like, knows he's got him already? You know, unless if you talk about read between the lines and you see that Goodwin is telling Aaron Fentress he expects meaningful negotiation between the Blazers and Heat, maybe that's just his way of saying, deal's done already. You know, I'm, I'm not breaking the news right now, but don't be shocked when the deal is done. Because here's some meaningful negotiation. To me, that's less hopeful and more assured that he knows something that the rest of us don't. And he, they referenced, I believe, dropping dimes or something like that. That's like a Twitter account, which is like a known burner account in the NBA world and on the threads. Which, by the way, what, threads? I don't, I don't know. I don't Are you it. on threads yet? I, I'm not. I don't understand. Is it like the new Twitter? I was hoping that you could teach me. No. Okay. Someone teach me. But uh, I, I think we'll have to get on it at some <laughs> point. But, you know. Yeah. If I, all I've seen is if Twitter falls apart, everyone's on threads. So, yeah. Figure it out then. But Zuckerberg's new thing. Apparently, yeah. This The dropping dimes person is a known burner that has reported news before that has been um, correct before Woj, before Shams, before anybody else. And he, this person has said, Dame to Miami is done. So that's where they're getting their information from is from 
a random Twitter account that is like a known burner account, but has been correct before in the past. So, I mean, and, you know, it could be true. Maybe he is already on his way there and it's all about content, which is what Dan Levitard and all their people over uh, on his show, they think this is about content. This is about ESPN needing to talk about something instead of talking about baseball or the hot dog eating contest. Here's Levitard talking about this is all about content. I think that's the thing that people don't understand right now. And in the interim, when no one's talking about things that are going on in sports, hot dog eating contests and baseballs, Lillard will fill your timeline. Sure. The, sure. Trans, the transaction. What, who's a bigger star right now that might be on the move anywhere in sports? And the transaction feeds so much of this that it now eats up so much TV content with people talking about how Boston and Philadelphia can get in the game. We're starved for this. The networks are starved, and we as consumers are starved for it. We like when our 4th of Julys are hijacked by Gordon Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was another one, by the way. Adrian said, that's not happening. And then a couple hours later, guess what happened? How he went is to this possible? Because... We're being lied to. Okay, here, here's the thing. Now, now someone hates Woj. They don't like, Amin doesn't like Woj, apparently. And I will say this. Woj is not always 100% correct. There are plenty of instances where he has been wrong. Um, but there's also been a lot of instances where he's correct. I do agree with the fact that ESPN does push narratives for content, but I don't know that this is a situation where it is. Because like I said before, Judah, I believe that the Blazers, I believe Joe Cronin when he says we need to get the best deal possible and we're not just going to unload him to Miami for nothing and help them out. Like I know that happens in the NBA. I know three, you know, three team deals happen. And teams will, you know, help another team out. They'll give it a pick. They'll add some contracts just so they can get deals done. I don't think that this is the case right now. I think Joe Cronin really wants to get the best deal for Damian Lillard because, as I've said before, I believe this is the plan since he got the job. He's been looking forward to trading Damian Lillard and starting over with his own team. So for him to say, I'm just going to give in and take this deal, it doesn't make sense. So, Yes, it is content, but at the same time, I do think that they are trying to push out more interest in Damian Lillard. And yes, he is using Woj to say this because Woj is coming out and say, yeah, maybe it's the 76ers, maybe it's the Celtics. But I also think that there is some truth to that. It makes a lot of sense that the 76ers or the Celtics would be interested in the guy like Damian Lillard. I've talked to some people about Utah. We talked to Bill Riley on the show. John Canzano did. Bill Riley said Danny Ainge is going to play it slow. And then he's going to come in with an offer. So is he being lied to, too? I don't know. I think that's a little a little off there by Levitard and the fact that they just think it's not actually true. Um, but this is also from the show as well, down in Miami. I mean, Hassan, he's talking about all the moves that are happening for the Heat are in principle right now. Nothing is official. And all these moves are going to be part of a much larger deal. All of these things that are happening are happening in principle, right? Max Struess, in principle, has agreed to $64 million in Cleveland. Gabe Vincent, in principle, has agreed to $33 million in Los Angeles. But nothing has actually been signed. Nothing is real because the moratorium is still on. So you're allowed to talk to free agents. You're allowed to negotiate with free agents, but you're not actually allowed to sign them. So everything that happens after that is not necessarily what it is. So I'll give you a great example. 2010. The Heat signed LeBron James and signed Chris Bosh, right? Yes. Wrong. They signed and traded for them. They, those guys re-signed with their own teams and then were traded for a bunch of first-round picks to Toronto and to Cleveland. 
that is at the time was a specific maneuver to get uh, the guys more money because re-signing with your own team gets you more money than signing with a new team and get Cleveland and Toronto something in return for it. So the point is, Gabe Vincent's going to L.A. and Max Truce is going to uh, Cleveland, but those aren't individual transactions like, bye, Gabe, bye, Max. That's not what's happening. What's happening is, okay, you guys are going there. What They're probably building a bigger framework for a four or five, maybe even six-team deal that has Dame coming here and, you know, Max Truce going there and Gabe Vincent going there and maybe Spencer Dinwiddie going somewhere, Nurkic going somewhere. It's a big deal, and that takes a lot of time and a lot of lawyers. Tell you what, I uh, got excited when he said Nurk going somewhere. No, no offense. But yeah, exactly. That'd be great. But no, I, I here, Amino Hassan, I think he is uh, very knowledgeable on this stuff. He, again, he worked in the Suns front office. He tells a great story about how he thought when he was with the Suns that they were going to get a trade for Stephen Curry. And it just fell through at the very end. It's a great story to go find that. But I believe on this part that, you know, these deals are in principle and the moratorium is over. It ended Thursday. Um, you know, my friend Travis Demers, who joined us on the program, he couldn't have come on the show and talk about anything because he can't talk about any of these free agent moves because they weren't official. Now they are. So if they sign a contract, that's one thing. But Max Strews still, in principle, is going to go to Cleveland. Gabe Vincent, in principle, is going to go to L.A. They can still be worked into this trade. I think that's the possibility where Dame does end up in Miami, Judah, and that's how the Blazers can get the value back. Because, again, the one-for-one thing, the Blazers and the Heat trade doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Tyler Hero doesn't fit with what the Blazers want to do, with what the Blazers have on their roster. But when you can involve a third team, when you involve a fourth team, and it's going to be easier now with these sign and trade deals going through, I think that's where he's onto something. He says, you know what, this could be happening, but I don't believe that it's done already. That's the thing. The, the Miami guys think it's done already. I don't think it's close to being well, done. It sounds like they think that Dame to Miami is done. Like that, right? That you might that have Miami will get the job done. Miami will get the job done. Like, and that I don't know how that works. I don't know if you've had to sign something, some agreement saying, "Hey, eventually we're going to get this guy over to you." I don't even think that that's a thing. But they seem ninety nine to one hundred percent confident that Dame to Miami is done. But the methodology of getting him there is still up in the air, and that methodology has got to be a three or four team, maybe five team deal. And we might get some more clarity on that in the next few hours, days, because you know the Blazers staff's in Vegas this weekend with, with Summer League going on and all that. So, you know, those restaurants, those clubs, those uh, closed-door meetings, there's going to be there's gonna be a few very important closed-door meetings. And I'm just trying to imagine in my head how Joe Cronin handles himself in the same room with uh, with Pat Riley and potentially Mickey Harrison. I don't know who who's present at these, at these closed-door meetings, but... It's Pat, maybe Spo, maybe the GM of Miami, maybe it's Joe Cronin, maybe it's Chauncey, maybe it's Schmitz, I don't know. But in my head, that's just a funny that's a funny picture to imagine. The closed door meeting between Miami and Portland, and uh I don't know, it feels like Pat Riley's gonna be the the one coming out of there a winner. We need some moles down in Vegas. Yeah. Scouting out the restaurants. But don't do what Britney Spears did. Don't just grab someone from behind, you know. Tap you'll the, get slapped. Tap the security guy first. Well, you'll slap yourself. You'll slap yourself. That's what it is. But no, I, I think you're right. It's uh, it's going to be very interesting. I th- again, I think we're early on in this. Miami thinks that they have it done, and it's in the fourth quarter. I think it's in the first quarter. I think this has a lot of legs to it, and uh, could be interesting going on down uh, this summer, this whole entire summer. But the Blazers Summer League does start today. The Scoot, Henderson, Shane Sharp era of the Portland Trailblazers begins tonight. Four o'clock. We uh, we'll keep you covered here 
uh, let you know how they look, how excited Judah is when he's standing up, raising the roof after Scoot Henderson dunk. It's going to be a good time. But uh, we'll take a break here. When we come back, we've got the big splash that we do every single day here on the show. We'll do that. we got more. We're going to talk about Britney Spears and the Wimbledon-Yama situation. There's a little uh, stuff with that. I'm going to talk some college football as well. Anytime we co- talk some Coach Prime, you know I'm going to do that. We'll talk about all this later in a bit on the BFT. Ball face truth. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano. If you want to hop on, talking about Damian Lillard, 503-417-7575. Hit me up on Twitter. Not threads, but on Twitter, at Stephen underscore V-O-N, at Judah Newby for Judah as well. We'd love to hear from you. Blazers Summer League starting up here in a couple of minutes, about 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes. I'm excited. Judah, I'm really excited for uh, the Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson era. Um, you know, I love I love what Scoot brings. Scoot seems like the type of guy, and you've said this. I'd love to hear your take on it again. Like, what are you expecting out of Scoot? Because I don't expect a lot out of these guys in Summer League, but what, I mean, what are you expecting? Yeah, I think most guys in Summer League, you try to temper expectations and not, you know, expect a lot, like you're saying. I think that's a very fair attitude to go into it with. I don't know a lot about Scoot, but the early vibes that I'm getting from him are he has one speed, and that is all out all the time. Scoot speed. Scoot speed. I don't see this guy slowing down. I think he is extremely motivated with all the Damian Lillard stuff in the air. This is the first time. We're going to see Portland Trailblazers playing basketball in the alleged, quote, post-Dame era and in the alleged Scoot era. I think his coaches are going to try to keep him calm, but I think he's a bull in a china shop. And I think here in a few minutes, we're going to see Scoot Henderson unleashed, like like balls to the wall. He might get hurt, hopefully he doesn't, but I just think he's got too much Nervous energy, real energy, real motivation. I just think he's cut out of a different cloth. And, you know, there are some summer leagues where like, whoa, what the hell did we just watch? And I think we're about to have that summer league with Scoot Henderson. Yeah, said Scoot's the type of guy that can do that. Like, that's how excited of a player he is. And, like, okay, here, Jude, I don't think it's wrong to say Scoot can really make a name for himself here in summer league because, like, he was in the G League Ignite uh, for a couple of years. So he's been playing professional basketball for a couple of years. Like he was a top prospect. He would have been you know, the number one pick in numerous drafts. So it's not like people don't know who this guy is, but it feels a little different. Like it feels like there is a chance that like with all the stuff going on, all the drama off the court with the Portland Trailblazers, if Scoot comes out and just has a great game, points are yeah. going to be maybe the Blazers can, you know, trade Damon. It'll be okay. Like he will put that's his a, name out there. Exactly. What's going to happen. Mark, and my be the words. Guy. Mark my words. That's exactly what's going to happen. If he plays well. And if he plays bad, I uh, can't, can't trade Dame. No, if he, if he plays bad, it won't swing the other way. It will just be the same. Cause no one expects anything different, but if he, if he plays well and he's got some highlight dunks going on and his post game interview on camera is just like, which know, he's amazing. great. He's great in, he's front, great of the in front of the camera. I think we're just a few hours away from some weird tweets on social media saying, Dame who? Like, that's, to me, that's what's going to happen. It's not fair. No, not at all. But to me, like, I've seen this, I've seen this enough, and I've seen content cycles enough. Scoop is probably going to have a few highlights tonight, and I think he'll have a lot. I think he'll have something to say afterwards. And I think the content will write itself for the rest of Summer League. And I do think, uh, and you, we kind of joked about this, but I do think it's true. Like, his name being Scoot Henderson is a thing like if he went by his normal name his uh legal name sterling sterling 
I was, I was looking it up because I couldn't quite remember off the time. But yeah, Sterling Henderson, it's not as good, but Scoot, yeah. like Scoot, it's a baller. Dude. I think we've all tried to write Scoot Henderson at some point and have accidentally wrote Scott Henderson. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, he could be the same guy. Scott Henderson is not going. He's a mid first round pick. He's at best. Role player. I'm taking Scott Henderson third overall. <laughs> All right. Blazers play uh, top of the hour here against the Houston Rockets. It's a pick em right now. So uh, if you want to get in on that action, get on it. But we do the, the big splash every single day. The one story you need to know. Here it is. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Now, hazing is never good. And Northwestern has suspended their head coach, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, for two weeks in an inquiry of hazing. Now, according to the report, the investigation did not uncover evidence pointing to a specific misconduct by any individual player or coach. And there's no participation or knowledge of the hazing activities by the coaching staff. But Pat Fitzgerald will be suspended for two weeks starting today without pay. Now, Judah, I have a problem with this. If this was for real, if they were really upset, they wouldn't suspend him when nothing is happening. <laughs> they would do it during the season. Uh, preseason practice starting early August. Two weeks from now, it's still going to be July. So he's basically in a two-week vacation, just unpaid. Is this is this a real hazing story? It or It must not be a big deal. I mean, because, yeah, you're right. That is kind of a joke of a, of a punishment if the hazing was real. Also, how do you haze at Northwestern? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I think I just I got upset in, I got upset when I saw this like why why would you even suspend him like don't even suspend him just no. say you know he's uh we talked about it he understands what's going on I think this is this is weird at Northwestern I don't like it I don't like well, it one new, bit new president there Michael Schill yeah oh well, there you go then yeah. I like him all right <laughs> going ahead into hour two of the BFT we'll start out with punch it audio as we always do Bob face truth four o'clock hour hour number two here on a Friday July seventh and a beautiful day in the state of Oregon. Trailblazers Summer League is starting up here in a couple minutes. Victor Wimbanyama, his debut coming up at six o'clock. They're saying the tickets are uh, average to be like $117 for Summer League. That seems like a bit of an overpay to me. But you know what? What do I know? I'm not down in Vegas. I don't feel it. But you know what? Like I said, I've been down in Vegas during the Summer League, and I just I didn't have any interest in going to the Summer League games. It's just not what I wanted to do. But We'll see. I'm excited to watch on TV. That's for sure. I'm excited to watch uh, the shoot. I just combined their names. Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. Almost. Uh, yeah. Could have been bad there. Do we have a, uh, a nickname for those guys combined? Um, uh, I don't think about it. Scoot and Sharps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's easy to uh, make a mistake here and say, uh, not a dumb not a, one. Yeah, not a great word. Um, but yeah, they're coming up pretty soon. Wimbenyama, $115 for a ticket. That seems like a lot, but I'm excited to watch him. I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Um, but as we do every single day, we go across the internet and the world to find the best audio. We play it for you so you know what's going on in the world of sports. We call it Punchy Audio. Let's do it. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. 
All right, I'm going to start in college football here because I can't wait. Judah came in with the Phil Steele magazine, showing it off. I Like I said, I'm going to Lake Tahoe next week. I need to go and uh, get that before I travel there so I can just sit and, you know, read that while the kids are going crazy and the the Coach Vaughn has to take care of them. I'm just going to read Phil Steele. Uh, but Greg McElroy, ESPN, talking about some breakout candidates at quarterback. One in the Pac-12, plays in the Northwest. May not be who you're thinking, though, of. Punch it. Cam Ward at Washington State. Good year last year. I remember he was making that leap from Incarnate Word. Made it all the way to Washington State. Had a solid season. Got to a bowl game. Didn't go well for him in the bowl game. But the talent is there. Now it's about bringing on the processing, the accuracy, and all the other aspects of playing the position at a remarkably high level. The talent is there. Uh, McElroy right on with that. You know, we talked about the talent when he came in last season. Um, you know, we're raking quarterbacks, and we didn't know exactly where to put Cam Ward because we said, well, I mean, potentially this guy could be a top three quarterback. Like, that's how good this guy could be. But to me, Judah, he just never showed showed enough last season. Now, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't know that he's a great quarterback, but I think for Washington State to be good this season, he's going to have to be great. And I don't know that I necessarily trust that. I mean, you look at their win total, you know, five and a half. Uh, I believe I'm looking it up right here, Washington State. Uh, six and a half. Juiced way to the under, though. Uh, so projected about six wins. I, I think I think if Washington State wants to get to six wins in a bowl game, they're going to have to have Cam Ward be an all-conference league quarterback. Like, that's how good he's going to have to play. I don't, I, you know, Jake Dickert's lost a lot of the coaching staff. You know, they've lost the players in the portal. I'm not super high in Washington State this year, but I guess you know if McElroy is right and Cam Ward has a great year, maybe they could surprise some teams. I just don't see it. Yeah, a couple quick things on that is, one, Cam Ward's personal development. You know, I, I think back to the Apple Cup last year and just seeing some of the plays that he made, and I'm pulling my hair out because they're just not smart football plays, whether it's forgetting to put the ball over the pylon when he's running out of bounds at the goal line and He's out at the one instead of scoring a touchdown. Some of the decisions that he makes, getting out of the pocket too early. It's just a lot of unrefined quarterback play out of Cam Ward. And that was with Eric Morris, his former offensive coordinator at Incarnate Word. Morris is gone. Yeah. So my second point is, what is Ben Arbuckle going to do with Cam Ward? If you don't know Ben Arbuckle, he's a fast riser. Came out of Western Kentucky. I've been watching a lot of Will Stein UTSA stuff this uh, offseason. Look back at some of the offensive numbers. UTSA and Western Kentucky are pretty much by far the top two group of five offenses in the country last year. Well, um, Will Stein got the job at Oregon. Now Ben Arbuckle got the job here at uh, Washington State. And I think that will play a big role in how good Cam Ward is. Remember uh, the Patriots, Bailey Zappi. He was at Western Kentucky. He put up. I mean, insane numbers at Western Kentucky where he's breaking all types of records. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that we had never seen before. Bailey Zappi, he threw 62 touchdowns at Western Kentucky. So you're right on that. I mean, Cam Ward, is is, is that offense going to translate to him? Does, he has the coaching staff around him to open it up. Does Cam Ward have the ability to make it happen? We thought that his familiarity with Eric Morris would be an advantage. And maybe it helped him. But I think this new offense, this new scheme, and this new offensive coordinator, Arbuckle, is going to be an even greater advantage than Eric Morris. I mean, you look at the numbers last season, you know, 3,200 yards, 23 touchdowns, nine picks, 64% completion percentage, like pretty good. But like, it just, it just didn't show up to me enough. I don't, yeah. maybe I was expecting well, too much. The but... Apple Cup game, I, I just some bad decisions against good defenses. 
Wisconsin, they win that game, but it wasn't because of Cam Ward. You know, no. they won 17-14. So he played just fine. But most years you lose that game 34-17. It's just that Wisconsin's offense was a joke last year. I will say this. Uh, he threw a pick against Fresno State in the bowl game. But besides that, he didn't throw an interception the last five games of the year. Yeah. So he played pretty good against Oregon. I mean, they had Oregon on the ropes. Yeah. In that conference opener and should have beat them. But then uh, <laughs> Oregon pulled, pulled magic out of the hat. I, I, but I do think uh, for Washington State to have a good season, they need a lot out of yeah. uh, Cam Ward. Greg McElroy again talking more Pac-12. Coach Prime, he says. You know, I always love to talk about Coach Prime. I'm all in. All in to Colorado Coach Prime. But Greg McElroy says Coach Prime is in a great spot. Not a lot of expectations on him. And there's only upside for Coach Prime in Colorado. Punch it. Uh, I think Deion Sanders enters into a good situation. Now you're going to say, how could you possibly say that? They went 1-11 last year. Yeah, but the expectations are nothing for Colorado. And yes, we're talking about them. But if Colorado goes 4-8 and eight this year, is anyone going to be shocked? If Colorado goes 7-5 and five this year, people are going to act like Deion Sanders is the greatest coach in the history of the world. He is playing with house money. And it's a terrific situation to be in. He's already improved the roster drastically. Well, I watched the spring game like you did. There were not a lot of Division I high-level caliber football players on that field. There just weren't. You just just watch it. Just watch it. Look at the size of the guys. Look at the guys that are rushing the passer. Like That is not high-level Division I football players, but that's okay. It's year number one. He's got a runway. He's got some time. And if he improves to four wins from one win a year ago, that's already a pretty significant improvement. If he could somehow get to a bowl game, <laughs> people will act as though Deion Sanders is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and they probably should. They should. Uh, you know, you look at their win total, three and a half, and it's juiced to the under. Vegas is expecting three wins out of Colorado this season. If Colorado wins four games, yeah, like it's a great job by Deion Sanders. If they win two games, we're all going to understand. Like, oh, they had to bring in 70 new guys in the transfer portal. It just didn't work out. I think we would ultimately question Coach Prime and his coaching ability. But as you've said before, Judah, why should we co- why we should we question that ability to coach? The dude is one of the best players of all time, Hall of Famer. He knows what he's doing out there. So I I, I think you're right. Like for me, Colorado, I think four wins. I think they're getting four wins for sure. I would th- say they get five. I don't think they get three. Like I think they're going to pull an upset off of somebody that we don't expect. They're going to be sneaky in a couple of these games at the Pac-12. They're not going to compete for the Pac-12 title. They may be competing for a bowl game. But I think they're going to show up against a couple of these teams that we don't expect them to because Shador Sanders is so talented. The, uh, you know, the receivers are talented. they got skill position guys. I think for a game or two, they can keep it close against these really good teams. And I think ultimately, Dion is going to have a very successful year one in Colorado, just build some momentum going into year two. Look, if you, if you don't have the dudes on the field and you're going to win games, you got to have a great scheme. Um, That's why I'm also looking at Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator there, because that's another group of five offense at Kent 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 State State, coming to the Pac-12. So there's another one. And if he's he's got some edge scheme-wise, maybe they can put up more points and help their defense out a little bit. I agree with you. I think defensively I've got some questions about him. I, I can't wait to see what Travis Hunter looks like. Yeah. Um, maybe he plays both ways, too, you know? I mean, in the, in the spring game he did. So whatever, you know, I, and again, like Dion knows how to coach technique. I'm sure he knows how to coach defense. I think, and that gets overshadowed a bit because of his bravado off the field. I think he's getting probably undersold for how good he is a coach on the field. 
and uh, hope, you know, but will that translate into wins? Like, is the talent just, if does he have such a dearth of talent? It doesn't matter how good a coach he is. Like, the, you're capped at three wins. Or is there a fourth win to be had in there somewhere? The, the one thing is, if, if they start suffering injuries, if Hunter gets hurt, if Shadur gets hurt, then I think your win total is over at that point. Yeah. You got to have your stars be healthy the whole year and have a chance. No, that's, that's, that is correct. The depth is not there. I think the, you know, I think the first team is going to be competitive against a lot of first teams, but you're right. When it, when there's injuries, I think there's going to be a problem, but you know, think about this, Jonathan Smith, we talked about him, how he's one of the best coaches in America. And I mean, I don't think you can really argue that maybe the pac 12, he's the best coach, but in the nation, he's one of the best coaches. I mean, that Oregon state team, you could argue had less talent than this Colorado team. They won two games in their first year. They won a Pac-12 game. So would it really be shocking if Colorado, who is definitely more talented than that Oregon State team, if Coach Prime knows how to coach at all, wins four games? Yeah, I don't know. Look, Jonathan Smith's first game was... Ohio State. At Ohio State. You know, Dion's is like the, you, at TCU. I don't it's, think a little, it, it's tough, but it's not Ohio I don't State think you, I don't think you can argue... <laughs> I don't think you can argue that Colorado is more talented than the Oregon State team. Like uh, they definitely, right, they definitely yeah. are. Ben Sullivan, also the coach of the Houston Rockets summer league team, former uh, Lake Oswego High School. Is that right? Yeah. All right, Ben. Yeah. Look at that. Let's Sorry, see. Blazers Rockets tipping off here good. soon, but uh, that I mean that's my thing. I think I understand the concerns of Colorado, and it's going to be on the offensive and defensive lines. But man, those those skill position guys that they brought in, Travis Hunter on the outside, those cornerbacks, they're going to be good, and they could be September good. You know, I don't know once October, you know, if injuries set in. That's why I think September is where they're going to make most of their hay. Yeah. Including they, that Oregon game. I think they start End out. September. Again, I, I said this before. I think they start out 2-1. and one. I think they get a win over Nebraska at home and Matt Rule. And then they beat Colorado State. They're 2-1 and one, heading to Eugene. College game days in Eugene. Then Oregon stomps them. But I think that I think that is very possible. They'd be 2-1. And how, that'd That's be, fun. That'd be so fun. So much fun. All right, NBA Summer League is tipping off for most teams today, including Victor Wimbanyama. But Judah, yesterday, Victor Wimbanyama's security team got in a little scuffle with Britney Spears. Mm. Now it's come out, police have said that Britney Spears, actually her hand hit herself as the security guard hit Britney's hand away and her hand smacked herself. But this was Victor Wimbanyama talking about the incident and not knowing who Britney Spears is. We talked about this. Did he know who Britney Spears was? Listen to this and tell me that he knew. There's no chance that he knew Britney Spears was. Punch it. Something did happen a little bit when uh, I was walking with the, with some security of the, the team to the to, to some restaurant. We were in a hall. There was a, a lot of people, so people calling me obviously. And there was one person one person who was uh, who was calling me, but uh, we talked before with the security. Don't stop because it's gonna make it's gonna make a, a crowd. So I, I couldn't stop. So that person was calling me, sir, sir, and that person grabbed me from behind. So uh, I didn't see I didn't see what happened because I was walking straight and we told don't stop. But that person grabbed me from behind, not on my shoulder. She grabbed me from behind, and uh, so I, I just know that the security pushed her away. I don't know with how with how much force though, but uh, security pushed her away, and uh, I didn't I didn't stop to, to look. So I kept walking and uh, enjoyed a nice dinner. <laughs> it wasn't that was a fun night with the guys. Fun night for the guys, uh, according to Victor Wimbanyama. He really didn't notice what happened. He had no idea that it was Britney Spears, and I don't blame him. Again, he's he's twenty year old kid out of France, nineteen twenty year old out of France. How is he supposed to know who Britney Spears is? 
no chance. No chance he knew who she was. So it's just some crazy girl that ran up. And the video is out uh, of, of it. And it looks pretty clearly to me. I don't know about you, Judah. But it looks clearly to me that the security guard hit her hand away as she was touching Wimbanyama's shoulder. And then her hand hit her own face. Knocked her glasses off. Yeah, I saw it very quickly. And I was like, oh, she definitely got contacted. But I think, yeah, you, you slow it down. And it's a little grainy, tough to see. But... I'm like 80% of the way there that the security guard hit her hand and her hand hit her own face. And that, that's what I think happened. That's what the police say is what happened as well. Hit me with Wimby one more time. <laughs> as, as I saw one of my friends on Twitter say. That's great. Scoot Henderson hit a th shot. Shaden Sharp hits a three. Blazers are the champions. Let's just call it yeah, now. It's over. Uh, all right. Oh, uh, where's uh, the Vince Carter gif? Speaking of Victor Wembyama, he plays later on tonight. Summer League, six o'clock. Austin Rivers former lottery pick still in the NBA active uh had a nice has a has a nice little career he's on NBA today today talking about Wimbanyama and the pressure that he's going to face how it's going to be a little different than it always is overseas now that he's in America but he says as a fan man he hopes he dominates tonight punch it he has to be used to the pressure by now he's been probably the most covered pre-league athlete we've had since LeBron James yep. you know what I mean and for me tonight I, I I look forward to see how he handles the pressure mm -hmm. you know I know he talks about how he hasn't felt it he's talked about how you know he hasn't succumbed to it and so far it's been pretty effortless but in a game like today you're gonna have everybody here you're gonna have all the celebrities here you're gonna have all the stars yep. out everybody's here you already talked about it being sold out you know I I look forward to him as a fan you want him to have a dominant game you want to have a statement game yeah I try not to put too much into it it's only one game sure but uh yeah I, I'm excited for tonight and the thing is, is if he doesn't dominate, we're not going to overreact. But we also have been questioning Brandon Miller a little bit, and it's been two games. So, like, if he only goes out and he scores eight points, there's definitely going to be some people like, oh, is he too skinny? Is he not ready for the NBA game? And then, let's just relax. It's one game. But Victor Wibanyama, I expect him to have a nice game. He's going to do a lot of things, especially on the defensive side. Offensively, there are some questions on how fast he can adjust to the NBA, but defensively is where he's going to be really good from day one. So I'm excited to watch that um, and just see just see him in action against an NBA team. You know, you've seen we've seen him play against the G League Ignite and Scoot Henderson. We've seen him play in some overseas highlights, but to see him against you know some other NBA players, I think is going to be a lot of fun. Minutes restriction, Wemby. <laughs> They're already well, well. I mean, Zion in his debut only played like ten minutes, maybe. It could be. Minutes. It could be. Did he get hurt in that debut, or did he just? It, they are load managing. He needed uh, some donuts. I, I do find it, I will find it interesting in the regular season what the Spurs do. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I can see them being sneaky okay. But then at the same time, are they going to pull the thunder and just rest everybody at the end of the season? Well, and, you know, the sneaky thing with all of that is do they get involved in this uh, Miami-Portland stuff? That is also very sneaky. They got some room uh, to take on some contracts if they really want to. I think that would be a nice little thing. Uh, Hashtag just saying. Just saying. Brian Windhorst, point fingers. Uh, all right, last one here. David Carr, not Derek Carr, David Carr, the brother, former number one overall pick. He says if Geno Smith and the Seahawks, if Geno can be as Seahawks, are real contenders in the NFC? Is that real? Punch it. And I think that this is an interesting year for Geno because last year, I, I remember we were sitting around here around this time last year, and we were talking about Baker Mayfield going to Seattle. Somebody had to go play quarterback for Seattle because it can't be Geno, can it? But then Geno, all he did was be... 
comeback player of the year. And now he's right where he wants to be. They have a good young defense. They have an offensive team that's getting better. Within Jigba and the slotting, that's going to help them a lot. They obviously are going to run the football. That's what they like to do. But I really like the pass game for these guys. I like that Geno's decision-making has gotten so much better. When you watch him play, he plays like a seasoned vet that still has the raw ability of the young guy. So I'm looking forward to watching him play even more consistent football this year. But man, if he can come anywhere near what he did last year and they add a couple pieces and they get better on defense, they'll be right there in that thing. Scoot with a, scoot with a sweet reverse lay in. Sorry. But yeah, uh, David Carr. <laughs> I can't get my eyes on He's, he's you, unbelievable. It's a new era. It's a new era. But uh, you are a lot higher on Geno Smith than I am. I have questions. Geno Smith, you know, he came in last year, no expectations, just like he said. Everyone thought, well, the CX need to go out and get a quarterback. Like, this is a bridge bridge player. He's 32 years old. He started last year really for the first time. Like, now it's his team. If he's so good, why was he not any franchise quarterback before age 31? <laughs> like, I have questions. Like, he had a great year. And I understand the offense is great around him, but... Going back to last season, Judah, we thought the Seahawks were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Geno Smith was just a bridge guy. They're looking, hey, should they draft a quarterback in the NFL draft? That was a thing. Remember NFL draft? Seahawks, they draft uh, Devin Witherspoon. But we were talking about, should they draft Anthony Richardson if he's there? Like, why are we all in on Geno Smith already? I mean, I understand. If he has a great season, that offense is going to be awesome. They're a top 10 offense, top 5 offense potentially with all those guys. But, man, I think we're putting a lot on Geno Smith. I mean, is he good enough to do it? I, I, I need to wait and well, see. That, that's the argument against Gino is it's only been one year and it took him a long time to give you that one year. It's a unique story. I mean, how many guys get drafted in the second round like that? He attended the draft, didn't go in the first round, waited to the second round, got punched in the face by his own teammate, lost his starting job, got stashed as a backup in New York, came to Seattle. Russell's going to start every year that he's there. You know, the real question is how Gino, Gino chose to stay in Seattle when he kept signing short deals, knowing that he'd be the backup, but hoping he'd get a chance. And Russell was indestructible, and he didn't get a chance until Russell's finger met Aaron Donald's helmet on a Thursday night football yeah. game in, in uh, right. 2021. Gino fills in for three and a half games, including a 41 nothing shellacking of Jacksonville. And that's when Pete Carroll's like, yeah, this is, this is a do. Russell gets traded. Gino and Drew battle it out. It's Gino all the way because Drew is not as good as Gino, even though Drew's okay. And now the question is, can he do it again? To, to that point, Seattle did have a bit of a malaise last year after starting 6-3. and three. Then they struggled. They had the home loss to the Raiders. They yeah. lost in Munich to Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Lost at home to Sam Darnold, Ben McAdoo, and the Carolina Panthers. That really stings. Yeah. And lost the Thursday night home game to San Francisco, which I said at the time, if you win that Thursday night game, you're going to the playoffs. And if you lose that Thursday night game, you're going to miss the playoffs. Well, they lost the Thursday night game and they still made it because Detroit beat Green Bay at Lambeau Field week 18 somehow. So, you know, that's all to say, I think there are the, the questions are fair. I think the Jackson Smith and Jigba pickup is, you. I really think he's going to be a star out of the gate week one. He's too refined a route runner and pass catcher to not have an immediate impact. And I think that's going to really lift the Seattle passing game to another level than where even it was last year. Yeah. I mean, that's the question. They, they, they've surrounded him with a lot of talent and you can look at other quarterbacks. Teams haven't loaded him with talent. I mean, the Seahawks offense skill positions is great and they've addressed their offensive line issues. They had with Russell Wilson, they protect him. So if Gino can't get it done in this situation, 
I think it says something about Geno, but it's this is by far the best situation Geno Smith could yeah. be in. Oh, and so he has the skills, obviously. I mean, back when he was being drafted, he was a second round pick, but there was talks he could be in the first round, you know, towards the top of the draft, kind of slid in the draft, but he's got skills, obviously. And he's, he's in a great look spot. At, look at some of the throws he made against Detroit and New Orleans on the road. But against it's San Francisco, it's ridiculous. Against San Francisco and that defense, he couldn't do anything. Well, I mean, he had Nobody a 50, could, 50 yard touchdown bomb to DK Metcalf, but okay. Besides that. Look, Seattle was winning at halftime. People forget that. Game <laughs> flips its ha- on its head on the Bosa strip sack when we're literally in the red zone. So, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, San Francisco was better than Seattle. Seahawks in the Super Bowl. It wasn't as bad as people think, even though it was ultimately a three-score <laughs> win. Like, I get it. All right. The bigger thing was we can stop their offense. But us, we did some stuff offensively in that game. People don't want to admit that, but it's true. <laughs> That's much an audio. I love I love talking Seahawks with you, just kind of poking you a little bit, whether I believe it or not. Just poke you a little bit about the Seahawks. Like, eh, I question them. I question this. I will I, say they, they, yeah. they're going to be an over team this year. Well, I'm going to bet them to win the division. I'm going to bet all their games over because that offense is really good. The one question, offensively, they have a new center. They had Austin Blythe last year, and he retired. And I don't think Seattle expected him to retire in the offseason. And they drafted a fourth-round center, I think, out of Michigan. Oluwatasami or something. Olu Oluwatasami, good player. And Phil Haynes is there too. But yeah, because center is an important position in addition to your tackles. So that's the only question. But if that's your only question, I think that's a pretty good spot to be on offense. I agree with you. Trailblazers, uh, Rockets at their first media timeout. Tell you what, Scoot Henderson living up to the high Blazers. Yes. Up 21 to 15, all offense out of the Blazers. But Scoot, he's got six points. He's made uh, two assists already. He has made some great plays. Love it, man. John Hollinger, former uh, Portland guy, he says, if you're a Charlotte fan, maybe just turn your TV off and disconnect the internet for the next two hours. Because, yeah, Scoot is that good, and Brandon Miller has not been that good uh, so far. But we'll keep you updated on how the Blazers look. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to take a break here. Break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Britney Spears thing and Wimbanyama just a little bit more. Uh, I do want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about Damian Lillard and his tweet at 7.50 the game. That's us. He tweeted us, we've got a lot of views on that. We really stirred up a lot of things that happened all across the nation. I want to dissect that and what he said and what I think it could mean when we read between the lines. We'll talk about that next. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby, and for John Canzano on the Ball of Face Truth. You're listening to Ball of Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby as well with me. We're filling in for John Canzano statewide in the state of Oregon. Now, obviously, everyone knows that we are the leader. We're the best. We're the best station, our flagship station, 750 The Game here in Portland. We're the best. You need to follow us on Twitter at 750 The Game. But we put out, Damian Lillard put out a tweet last night at uh, 652, right after we went off the air. He just tweets out, I'm amazed, period. So what do we do as a station? We ask the questions. Why? Why, Dame? And that tweet has gotten over 5 million views, by the way. Three words and a period. Why? Dame tweets out after that. Quote tweets it and says, at how people can know so much and so little at the same time. Judah Newby. Let's read between the lines on this Damian Lillard tweet. He tweets out, I'm amazed. And then people that he knows, it sounds like, that know a lot about him, know so little about him. Do you think that has to do with basketball? Do you think it has to do with off the court? Are we just reading too much into it? What was your takeaway from this? Yeah, I mean, just to 
you know, pull it behind the scenes a little bit too. Like you and I were talking after the show last night when we signed off at like six o'clock and you know, as we often do, we keep talking sports after the show together. We we're in the kitchen and uh we're we're talking about the Dame stuff and you know, bouncing some ideas off each other and you know how we're feeling and some what's water going on. water cooler talk you could say. Some literal water cooler talk. I'm pretty sure I was filling my water bottle at the time. And you know, you were just about to leave. So it was already front of mind for us and then you know, we got the man on Twitter alerts, so whenever he tweets, like, I, you know, me, you, we, we take a look at what he has to say, and he said, you know, what he said, I'm amazed. And for me, at, at that moment, you know, I'd already spent the day thinking about what Dame's mindset is with all of this, and I thought it was like, man, what are you amazed about? Like, did you expect anything different? I It felt to me like he was like, man, I'm amazed that so many people are calling me disloyal, or so many people think I'm wrong for asking to trade or that so many people have have a problem with me wanting to go to Miami and I'm like why are you amazed that people have negative opinions to you like that's a little naive and I didn't say that obviously but you know this the station says you know why just just why what can you elaborate please now definitely did not expect a reply but I got that notification on my phone a minute later, and I said, oh, you replied to us. And I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. I got a tons of texts that are like, hey, are you running the 750 The Game uh, Twitter account? I said, I'm not right now. Why, what's going on? Check it out. Oh, yeah. I did. And, uh, yeah, I look at it, and it's up to 5.3 million views as of right now. New York Post wrote about it. Sports Illustrated wrote about it. Uh, all Yahoo wrote about it. Like, I believe ESPN wrote about it ESPN as well. ESPN wrote about it. So everybody picked it up, and... You know, you can read about it on 750thegame.com as well if you want. So, look, it's not the first time we've interacted with Dame as a station. Might be the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. But hopefully not. And to me, the fact that he chooses to engage with that, you know, means like he's feeling a certain type of way. And he wanted to get at least something off his chest. And what does he get off his chest? That some people can know so much and so little at the same time. And now I'm like, what in the world is going on? And the only thing I can think of is this is everyone's talking about Damian Lillard and his situation in Portland, how he's requested a trade to Miami, but who does he consider close to him? It's not Woj. It's not Stephen A. Smith, even though Stephen A. Smith always you know loves to talk about how he texts Dame all the time and calls him and you know, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't consider him close to me. It's Chris Haynes. It's Aaron Goodwin. Those are the two guys that are close to him. Could he be talking about them when he says he's amazed at how people could know so much and so little at the same time? Those are two guys that I think may know a lot about Damian Lillard and would be reporting news about him when in actuality, maybe they know little about it. I don't know that for sure. I'm just hypothetically guessing here. But is there a chance where you know, we've heard a lot from Aaron Goodwin about how it's Miami or bust? Could it be a shot at Aaron Goodwin saying, you know what? It's not just Miami or bust. Aaron Goodwin, they've basically said Dame's not going to report to any other camp besides the Miami Heat. Could that be false? Is that what he could be talking about? Because I don't believe that. I think Dame, if he gets traded to uh, Minnesota or you know Oklahoma City, he's going to report to training camp if he's there. He's going to be part of the team. He's not going to sit out and waste a year of his career. I think that's. I think that could be possible. I... I I want to hype, you know, hype, hypothesize, 
Hypothesis? Hypothesize. Hypothesize. There we go. Teamwork. I want to hypothesize about things. But again, we don't know. It's all guessing. But when I read it, that was my initial thoughts was something about those two guys. Hmm. Maybe he doesn't necessarily agree with what they've said about him in tweets or out in the media. Is there a chance that it was not basketball related at all? 100%. 100%. So? Yeah. Okay. You don't think so? Well, I I don't think think so, but I think there I guess there's a chance that it could be completely non-basketball related at which point this is all moot. Exactly. NBA guys are known to just do things for fun. I mean, maybe Matt, he, uh, you know, him and a, a friend of his, you know, had a poker game or whatever. Maybe thought it'd be C, funny. CJ got money off him in a poker game or something. Yeah. And and be, hey, hey, Dane, tweet that. this out. It'd be yeah. funny. Just like when Blake Griffin exactly. tweeted out eyeball emojis. And then we found out he was on part of my take like in two days. And they said to do it just as a, as a joke. Like they do this. The NBA is full of drama. They love maybe, the drama. Maybe that's what it is. It you could know, be. It's an absolute zero burger. I don't, but I, 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 know, I, think I, don't, but, I think there's something here. I, I think it, the, the situation that Damian Lillard is in is different, right? Like it's, it's, um, it's not like he's looking for a contract. It's not like he's, you know, in any other time, like it's all about the trade. So everything he puts out there is going to be taken so seriously. I think he understands that it's not a time to be joking around. Or it's not about a time to be talking about other things. If he's going to put this out, because we're going to dissect every single thing, like it's going to be looked into. So I do think there's something behind it. I would love to know what it is. I, again, my thoughts initially were had to be either with something with Chris Haynes or Aaron Goodwin that they've put out there that maybe he doesn't necessarily agree with. And that's not saying that he doesn't want to go to Miami or he won't report somewhere else. It may not be. It may be where he. That's all true. But that was my initial thoughts. Was those are the two guys that know a lot about him. And have been talking about him, but maybe they don't know all about him. And look, I'm not sure, I'm not going to pretend that we have an outsized role in this. Like you know, seventh game so, so awesome that he would. Reply, oh, I'm reply taking to all us. the credit. I'm taking all the credit. I think that there's a lot of it there. I don't think he would reply to just anybody. But at the same time, what I find interesting is the fact that he chose to reply at all. Yeah, he didn't have to. I mean, he tweeted, "I'm amazed." We got back to him right away, and he had one more thing to add. And just that fact that he he said something, he tweeted one thing, and he was either he was going to be done or maybe he was waiting for someone else to ask him the follow up. I don't know, but we asked him, and he answered, and his answer was equal parts revealing and ambiguous, but he chose to answer. He could have just put his phone down, and not not said anything, but the fact that he even quote tweeted it and added a little bit more context to the initial tweet tells me like. You do that when you're feeling a certain emotion. Mm-hmm. You don't do that if if everything's fine. You don't do that if there, you don't have anything to say. <laughs> There's probably a lot of things Dame wants to say right now, but obviously can't. Right. But we gave him an opportunity to say a little bit more, and he chose to take it. And I think, you know, good on us, I guess, for being, you know, on top of it and asking him. But at the same time, that tells me more about Dame's mindset than anything else. Like... He's feeling a certain type of way, and he had to get a little bit off of his chest. He can't reveal too much, but that to me is fascinating. The fact that he engaged with us and answered our question tells me there's something going going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to, but there's something there. Yeah, and again, you know, hats off to Dame for answering the question. Like he he has done this his whole career. He he's been a pretty open book about what he's won. He's talked about how he wants to be loyal to Portland. He wants to stay in Portland. 
how, you know, championship ring culture is a bad thing in the NBA. Like he's talked about these type of things. He's never, he's never shied away from talking. And so I think, you know, it goes with his personality that he would answer this question and he would add on to it. But like you said, he can't say everything right now because of the situation that he's in. But to answer that question with another remark, like he did saying that, you know, you can read it a bunch of different ways. He's feeling some emotions. Yeah. And, and this is why I think it is still the start of this whole saga. And we're in the first quarter. I think there's stuff that we don't know about and that maybe he's not happy about. Maybe he's, you know, not getting his message across like he wants to. I think we're at the very start of this. And I think this just proves another reason why it is. The one other thing that I can think of that, you know, Aaron Fentress and kudos to Aaron, love Aaron, got the quotes from Aaron Goodwin. And wrote a piece about it. You know, he had the tweet and then he wrote a piece about it uh, on Oregon Live and included it. And that's getting mined everywhere as well. And maybe Damien read that and was like, that's that's not what I feel. Like, that's not what's going on. And it just makes me wonder. Uh, it could be totally off. But are Dame and Goodwin just not quite in lockstep right now? Is that and possible? how the hell is that possible if that's the case? It doesn't. It doesn't seem possible. Like, you're Damian Lillard. You're making this much money. You're close with Aaron Goodwin. How could you not be on the same page? Like, it seems it seems just like yesterday when we were talking about Britney Spears. Like, how could you not know as Britney Spears? But at the same time, well, he's only, Victor Wimbledon is 20 years old from France. Like, why would he know about Britney Spears? I don't see a reason of how Damon, um, Aaron Goodwin could not be on the same page. But maybe they're not on the same page. They met in person with Cronin the Monday after the draft. He asks out of Portland five days later. You know, how how are they not on the same page? Like, they, they, well, they make all these decisions together, well, right? One would think. Let, let's talk about this and Maybe next. it's the me- methodology of, you know, Goodwin, uh, the way the Woj is, you know, getting Goodwin's stance and the way that Goodwin's saying it's Miami and only Miami. You know, maybe it's the methodology of it, but I got there's another- no way that he actually wants to come back and play for Portland Trailblazers. I I got I got another thought. There, we'll take a break. We got we'll take let's take a break. I got another thought on this. I got another thought because let's go through the timeline of all this. There's a missing piece. I'm not a big uh, you know I'm not an expert on the Bible, but I know there's a missing piece of like time in the Bible that wasn't like covered. Four hundred years of silence from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of Matthew. Correct. I think there's you're, a. You're welcome. Yeah, I knew you would know. <laughs> I hate. I'm just glad that I knew that there was uh, there was a time. I did learn something at Concordia. Holler. Shout out Concordia. Shout out Concordia. RIP though. RIP, man. RIP. But yeah, I think there's a I think there's a missing timeline that maybe some communication could have got crossed between the Blazers, Aaron Goodwin, Damian Lillard, all parties involved. Let's talk about that on the other side. We come back to Stephen Vaughn Jr. Newby filling in for John Canzano on the ball. Face truth. Stephen Vaughn Jr. Newby filling in for John Canzano. Once again, John is out today. Scoot Henderson, Shane and Sharp era underway in Las Vegas for the Summer League and the Portland Trailblazers. We're still trying to figure out this Damian Lillard thing. Of course, uh, last night, 750 game, the flagship right here. Tweeting out at Dame after Dame tweets out, I'm amazed. We say why? Just so a simple, a simple why. And Dame responds, and it has blown up into a whole big giant thing as afterwards Dame then said. At how he's amazed at how people could know so much and so little at the same time. Now, again, I say 
this has to do with basketball. It may not. It may just have to do with family life. I don't know. It may have to do with boxing. But I think it has to do with basketball. And when I think of that, of people who know him so well, and then, you know, but actually know so little, there's two guys that are talking about Dame all the time. It's Chris Haynes and Aaron Goodwin. They know Dame a lot. And Dame trusts him. And that's how we get most of our Dame news is from those two. But there's a little bit of a spot in the timeline of communication between Joe Cronin, Aaron Goodwin, Damien Lillard, that I have questions about. And trust me, Judah and me went over this before the show. It took about, I don't know, 15 minutes to get it correct. And I'm still not sure if we have 100% correct, but we'll be close on it. So if you remember, this was Joe Cronin talking about when the last time he talked with Damian Lord, this was on draft night after they drafted Scoot Henderson. Joe Cronin was asked, when was the last time he talked to Dame? Was Dame on board with this? This is what Joe Cronin had to say. Dame and I talked, when we last talked? Tuesday morning. Dame's not in Portland right now. Um, had a long talk Tuesday morning. You know, that was two days before the draft, so there's still a lot of things can happen. You know, often teams don't show their hand until Wednesday or even today or sometimes even during the draft. But um, we had a long talk about some trade possibilities. Um, we had a good discussion about, hey, there's a strong likelihood that we're going to draft here at three. We didn't know exactly which player would be there between, you know, we didn't know who was going to go to at the time. So plenty of discussions about that. Um, haven't talked to him since Tuesday. I've been in contact with his agent, uh, Aaron Goodwin, Wednesday, today, multiple times going into the draft, just keeping him apprised of what our plans are and hey, you know, we're gonna draft here. So just trying to be trying to communicate and be upfront and make sure we're all on the same page. All right. So now that we're on the same page, Joe Cronin talked to Damian Lillard the Tuesday before the draft. The draft was a Thursday. So he hadn't talked to Damon two days, but did you catch what he said there, Judah? He talked to Aaron Goodwin every day, numerous times, without Damian Lillard there. Could that be a thing? Now, remember this. Chris Haynes. This is Damian Lillard's guy. So the NBA draft was uh, June 22nd. On Monday, June 26th. So that's four days later. Chris Haynes tweets out, Portland Trailblazers GM Joe Cronin issues a statement on his meeting with Damian Lillard. Quote, I met with Dame and Aaron Goodwin this afternoon. We had great dialogue. We remain committed to building the winner around Dame, end quote. So he hadn't talked to Dame for almost a week, but he'd been talking to Aaron Goodwin the entire time. Judah, I ask you, could that in that week time when Joe Cronin is talking to Aaron Goodwin and not Damian Lillard, is there a chance that my theory of Joe Cronin wanted to rebuild and trade Damian Lillard as soon as he took the job. Is there a chance that he talked Aaron Goodwin into this of that's what he wants and convinced him that this is what did best for Dame best for the franchise and Dame still wanted to be in Portland. I just don't see how that gets agreed to without Lillard's consent. Is it possible they could, I mean, can you do that behind your client's back? Is that a thing? If, if it is, then wouldn't, he, wouldn't Goodwin be fired by now? I mean, if Dame, in fact, didn't want that. But then let's go back to the tweet he just had. He's amazed at how people can know so much and so little at the same time. My theory, if my theory is true, 
That tweet is directly about Aaron Goodwin. I, I want to agree with you. But again, I have I, no idea, but I, I, that makes the most sense is that for whatever reason, Dame and Goodwin are not seeing eye to eye, eye, which I don't understand how that's possible. I find it hard to believe. But at the same time, I, I keep that tweet. It's just burned into my brain. I, and I don't know how, if from a basketball sense, it could be applicable to anybody else. Again, I, I go back to, I don't know how a guy like Damian Lillard, worth so much money, so good to a franchise, so good to the NBA, how him and his agent could not be on the same page. You know, especially, you know, he, I've heard he considers Aaron Goodwin like his family, like that's how close they are. How could you not be on the same page? But that tweet that he puts out there and the fact that he, Joe Cronin said this, he didn't talk to Dame for a full week, basically. But he was talking to Aaron Goodwin. That's the only chance where I think, okay, well, maybe Joe Cronin, if my theory is correct, that he wanted to rebuild, he could have talked Aaron Goodwin into saying, you need to try to get to Miami or you need to go somewhere else. I think it's best for the franchise, best for Dame, best for everybody. And Dame wasn't necessarily aware. And then it got thrown out there. And then at this point, if it gets put out there in the world and then Dame says, no, I'm going to walk this back. He can't walk it back. Right, like as soon as it's put out there, like, oh, Dame has requested a trade. Can you imagine him being like, no, I didn't? Just joking, haha. Yeah, I, I don't see how that's possible. Like, he would have to publicly fire Goodwin before that, and then we would have the answer. <laughs> yeah, assuming that doesn't happen, you're correct. I don't think he could walk it back. Um, do you think then that Cronin gave Goodwin an assurance that he would get him to Miami then, and that's why Goodwin's been so confident, forceful, that it's going to be Dame to Miami and only Miami because Cronin gave his word that he would get him to Miami. If that would learned, also make sense for the theory. It would. But we've also learned we can't t- we can't trust Joe Cronin. He's not going to he's not going to say one thing and do it for sure. You think he pulled a, pulled one over on Goodwin and now Goodwin's pissed? And now I, Lillard's pissed? I think everything's on the table, Judah. <laughs> like <laughs> I think everything is on the table. And, and here's the thing, like I'm not saying Dame wants to come back to Portland or he wanted to be in Portland the whole time. I don't know that. I don't think that. I think Dame wanted out. But, man, some of these things that are being said and the timelines of these things, they kind of match up to where this theory isn't too far-fetched. And I would question, like, if Dame is on the Trailblazers roster by training camp, at that point, could he come out and say, you know what, I'm down to just play with Portland. Like, I love Portland. I've been here my whole career. Let's just run it back. Would that be crazy? It wouldn't be crazy in the sense that he's never prioritized ring chasing the way that other stars have. So why start now? Yeah. And if he's truly comfortable here, likes it here, family's happy here, then I could see him staying here. I, but once you declare the trade, you know, request, I have a hard time thinking that. The got, question is, did he really request the trade? You got to go through it, I feel like. But I'm, yeah. you know, I'm just saying maybe throw a couple of dollars on Dame to play for Portland next season. All right, when we come back, 5-5, five and five, uh, you got the ball face truth. Stephen Bond, Jr. be filling in for John. It's the happy hour, the 5 o'clock hour here on the bald face truth on a lovely day in the state of Oregon. We are statewide, of course. Eugene, Klamath Falls, Roseburg, everywhere. The entire state of Oregon is listening here. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John. Judah Newby with me as well. Trailblazers opening up their summer league today. Right now, Scoot Henderson, Shane Sharp era in Portland has officially started. Damian Lillard tweeting out uh, some crazy things. 
Jude, I found this. I don't know how legit this offshore website is for betting. Now, I may or may not have an offshore, but this is not one of them that I have. But sportsbetting.ag. My, off my quick little Google search, it says it was legitimate site. I'm looking at it right now, but they have odds on who will actually report the Damian Lillard trade first. What media member? Right now, the favorites is Shams at plus 110. Woj plus 115. Chris Haynes plus 575. Any other reporter plus 750. I feel like there's some value on Chris Haynes there. That's Dame's guy. Definitely value on Haynes without question. Plus 500? Yeah, 575. Yeah. I feel like Woj, too. I'd go Woj and Haynes a little bit. There's also, when will Damian Lillard be traded? On or before July 31st? That's minus 250 after July 31st, plus 170. I think real value on the on the, on the the after July 31st there. But that's just me as a degenerate gambler looking at prices and finding betting markets. So I don't know if that's a legitimate place. Don't go check it out, but do check it out if you'd like to. Uh, all right, as we do every single day we do the five at five the five most important stories according to judah newby this time not anna Kanzano, but according to judah newby the five at five the five at five all right judah give it to me number one hard to start it anywhere else than the trailblazer debut of scoot henderson and nba summer league almost halftime blazers 51 rockets 44 scoot Five of ten. He's got a three, uh, three pointer, and he's got thirteen points, five rebounds, five assists well, already. <laughs> I'll say this: I was in on Scoot first quarter. He had thirteen points. He hasn't scored in the second quarter. I'm out now. I'm out. The air is over. Scoot, Shane Sharp, over. No, I, I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of Scoot Henderson. Uh, you know, he's doing what I thought he'd do. Very athletic. He's aggressive. You talked about that, like. He's the guy that, you know, balls to the wall. Like, he wants to go to the hoop. He wants to attack. And that's what he does. Uh, he's done a really good job of that. He's had a couple nice uh, pull-up jumpers in the mid-range, uh, in the paint, where he's stopping on a dime. Shaden Sharp has hit a couple nice threes uh, off of some uh, some nice moves to create for himself. So, you know, first half of the first game in Summer League, I- I'm excited with what the Blazers have done. They're up over uh, the Houston Rockets and Amen Thompson right now as they're heading into halftime in a couple, in about a minute or so. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, Summer League is exciting. I, I, I think you don't want to overreact to anything because these guys, you know, it is just Summer League. And about 50% of players in Summer League will never play in an NBA regular season game. Like, that's just the numbers of it. So more than likely, these guys, a lot of them aren't going to play in the NBA. So it's hard to say, yeah, this guy's going to be a star based off what I've seen in Summer League. But at the same time, you want to see some things in, you know, first half, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised, I would say, with Scoot Henderson. You know, hitting the three, I think, is great, but um, he, he's looked the part to be the number three overall pick. And I think Portland, you know, if you're a Blazer fan, I know it's hard that the Blazers could be trading Damian Lillard if you're a Damian Lillard fan, but the Blazers aren't in a bad spot for a rebuild with Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson, and then whatever package they get back for Dame, I think that is a nice starting point for the Trail Blazers in their rebuild. All right, number two. Number two, some news out of the college football commitment world. Yesterday, five-star defensive end Elijah Rushing committed to Jed Fish in Arizona Mm. over Oregon, Tennessee, and Notre Dame. Now, Rushing is from Tucson, and he was the uh, 27th-ranked overall prospect and number three edge rusher. And there was a lot of uh, smack talk on the Twitter sphere yesterday once Rushing committed to Arizona over Oregon. 
there's uh, some Arizona media members that are also fanboys that love to uh, make their opinion known. But Arizona gets one over Oregon. Meanwhile, Oregon today added their own stud linebacker to the 2024 recruiting class. Dylan Williams, four-star linebacker out of Long Beach, California, committed to Oregon today over Michigan State, Miami, UCLA, and Washington. He is the 181st overall prospect, so a little bit lower than Elijah Rushing, but he's also one of the top linebackers in the class of 2024, and he is coming to the Oregon Ducks. I mean, look, Arizona, touch on them first. You know, Last season, they were the 25th overall class, and Jed Fish has done a really good job recruiting freshmen and recruiting transfers as well. He's gotten some good transfers in, in there, you know, starred by Jaden Delora. Um, you know, we've talked about this, like Arizona, they're one of those teams that I don't think can win the Pac-12, but there's a clear hierarchy in the Pac-12 right now. It's Oregon, it's USC, it's Utah, it's Oregon State, and it's UCLA, right? It's those five teams if you're picking a team that could go from the bottom into that top five, into the top four, it may be Arizona. They have a lot of talent, depending on what you think of Jed Fish as a coach. I think he's a very good coach. Even in year one, when they didn't have the talent, they were competitive in some, some games. I love what Jed Fish has done there. I think he's a very, uh, very big coach on the rise. Their win total is at five right now. I would take the over on that, I think. like I think Arizona could have a sneaky good season and again, build for next season after that, uh, some momentum. I, I like what Jed Fish is doing. So, you know, props to them. Get those big time recruits into Arizona. Arizona always seems like one of those jobs where if you get the right coach in there, they, they could really pop. You got anything to add to that? <laughs> I'm really excited about Arizona. And I think uh, I'm probably a little bit higher on them than you are on Colorado this year in terms of can they win a bowl game? Can they do some stuff? And. Every time I see Jed Fish, I, uh, I'm impressed by what he has to say. He's going to be one of my favorite interviews at Pac-12 Media Day already. I know that. Uh, so, except for that, coming up on July 21st, by the way, and Kanzana will be there live from Vegas. Where they better have a Pac-12 Media deal. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, but, see. yeah, I mean, for Oregon, you know, you lose out on this guy, but we've talked about this before. I mean, they have the best, the best talent in the Pac-12. They have enough talent, you know, to say they can compete for a college football playoff berth. Like, that's how that's how good this team is, talent-wise. That's us on paper. Can it translate to the coaching staff? Can Dan Lanning get them to coach? Can Tosh Lapoy coach up the defense? You know, he's known as a recruiter, not as a real X's and O's guy. It's the, the jury is still out on those guys, how they can coach, but they for sure got the talent. So, you know, it's too bad for the Ducks not to get it, but it, I'd love to see, you know, the wealth spread around and uh, not just see one school get all this, all the really good players. So I'm happy for that. Go Arizona. All right, number three. Number three, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan is going to come back to his role as commissioner of the PGA Tour. He has been out for a while, recovering from a <clears throat> medical situation that occurred in the wake of the PGA Tour Live Golf. Was it a merger? Was it not a merger? Merger. <laughs> Monahan has been on leave since June 13th. When the tour announced he was dealing with an unspecified medical issue, he will return to his post July 17th. Monahan, of course, helped the PGA Tour get this uh, deal done with the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. and He had been battling Live Golf for about two years while that league was taking top players from the PGA Tour. 
still got a five-page framework agreement between PGA Tour and Live Golf, and uh, Department of Justice is going to get involved a little bit as well. There's going to be some more hearings, so it's far from over, but at least Monahan is coming back, and he's uh, he's tried to escape the spotlight, but now he can't hide. Are PGA fans happy that Jay Monahan's coming back? Probably not. I, I would assume that <laughs> when he you know got went on the leave, it was kind of like, hey, just 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 go away and just stay away stay for a there, while. Yeah. Just stay there. Don't come back. Don't peek your head out. I mean, is there a worse commissioner? In all sports right now, or is he, is he yeah, at the bottom after what he, after what he said, what he was claiming with nine eleven, how they were so supportive of that and against the livers, and now we're joining the livers. That's, I don't know that there's a worse commissioner out there right now. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I'd say he's he's number one on my list. You know, this, and the fact that it probably came down to a lot like the PGA Tour had to keep its tax exempt status or whatever it is. You know, it's like a it's not really a a league in the way that the NFL and NBA are. And I bet you it got to a point where the public investment fund was like, look, man, we're going to bleed you guys out of money with litigation upon litigation upon litigation, unless you merge with us. And maybe it just became a money, you know, decision at that point as well. But it's kind of similar to Mark Emmert running the NCAA into the yeah. ground. In my opinion, it's like, dude, if you didn't see this coming for the last few years, then shame on you because now you look like an absolute hypocrite, which you are. And that's the thing. It's just like, you know, I, I understand that this probably was going to happen at some point, but you held out that it wasn't going to happen exactly. because he was so against it. Again, I'm okay with people like lying about stuff in sports. This happens. Liars are liars are in sports and business and all of it. But man, when it's something so personal, like 9-11, those type of tragedies, and then you go against that word, that's where you lose me. Like, that's where you lose a lot of people. And I don't know, man. J Jay Monahan, the PGA, it's not like I'm going to stop watching the PGA if there's a good golf tournament on the weekend, but I'm not tuning in regularly anyways. I just, you know, this guy's just a clown. Just get out of here. Go away, as we like to say. Go away. We might have to do that segment. Just go away, Jay Monahan. Go away Friday. All right. All right. Number four. Number four. This is kind of fun. It's All-Star Weekend in Seattle. Of course, Home Run Derby Monday. All-Star Game Tuesday, but the festivities really begin tonight at T-Mobile Park. It's the first ever Ken Griffey Jr. HBCU Swingman Classic. The inaugural showcase event takes place tonight, 7.30, kickstarts the weekend, that includes the Futures Game, MLB Draft, Home Run Derby, and All-Star Game. It's backed by Junior, and uh, it's going to feature 50 baseball players from historically black colleges and universities. Opportunity to showcase skills, the game itself is a celebration of HBCU programs. Griffey helped create the event. He's in the game's logo. And he said, quote, my dad gave back to baseball. It's now my turn, Griffey told MLB Network. So it's two teams, 25 players each. Rosters are in place, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be managed by Bo Porter and Jerry Manuel. And will be an annual part of All-Star Weekend, which I think is great. Awesome. Just awesome stuff. And, and Griffey, to have it start in Seattle... It's, it makes it even better, right? Like Griffey in Seattle, uh, you know, he did leave to go to Cincinnati. He ended up playing with the White Sox for a little bit, if uh, no one remembers that. But he did. He was with the White Sox for a while. But to have it in Seattle, have Griffey be a part of it, be the head of it, I think is great. I mean, you look at the, in 2022, opening day last season, 7.2% of MLB was represented by African-Americans. That's that was down from 91 when it was 18% of MLB rosters. So 
you know, there's been a lot of talk of it of the numbers of the African American African Americans playing baseball going away. I think any attention like that when you got Griffey on board, like he is the man. You know, he he represents all the cultures. All every culture loves this guy. Like there's no there's not a bad thing you can say about King Griffey Jr. He did it the right way. He was an awesome way to play. Like everybody wanted to be like him. So I think for him to give back to the game, like he said, it can only help. And so I think it's a really cool story that he's trying to help out um, African Americans and you know bring the spotlight back to them in Major League Baseball because it would be great to have that number go up a little bit, right? I think it would be great for all sports to have to be represented um, by everybody. So good for Griffey. I'm excited for Seattle. And yeah, the All-Star Festivity is going to be a fun time. Yeah, you got Dave Sims and Harold Reynolds yeah. on the call as well, which is just awesome. Love both those guys, Dave in particular. So I think it's a great event and glad that it's going to be an annual thing. Yeah, I think it's great. And then to have Griffey as the face of it again, it started in Seattle. Just Perfect. Nice, nice, nice icing on the cake there. Yeah. Number five. Number five. Well, Victor Wembanyama is making his Summer League debut later tonight as well. You mentioned it already, but it is sold out to watch the seven-foot, three-and-a-half-inch. Apparently. That's what he says. That's what the official official height was. The uh, Spurs taking on the Brandon Miller Charlotte Hornets. No one's talking about Brandon Miller. I wonder why. Hmm. Uh, but Wembanyama trying to make a good first impression in his uh, Summer League debut. Uh, joining Nikola uh, Jokic and Luka Doncic as other Euro professionals to come over and be drafted into the NBA and then debut in Summer League. And uh, Doncic and Jokic had pretty successful Summer Leagues and women now trying to do the same. Can he live up to the hype, Stephen Vaughn? He can, but I don't think... I think that he won't. And that's not a knock on Victor Wimbanyama. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be an all-time player. I don't know how the offensive game translate year one. There's a lot of improvement that needs to happen on that side of the ball. He's going to be able to you know, knock down some open jumpers, but I think he's going to struggle a little bit in the paint and getting close. And remember back to like, you know, he's, he is the most high prospect probably since LeBron. And remember when LeBron came in, like it's not as if these guys like weren't going at him. Like they were physical. They were trying to get him. They were trying to goof him. I think the same thing is going to happen with Wimben Gama. You know, we hear all about him. Guys are going to attack him. He's going to get posterized a couple times. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get got, especially in summer league. A couple times, these guys are going to try to make a name for themselves. So I'm not expecting a whole bunch out of him, but he's going to do a couple nice, really flashy plays that you're like, all right, I get it. Like this is whether this guy was the first overall pick. This is why he's hyped up to be the prospect that he is. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to watch him defensively. I think he's going to be great from day one. Offensively, he's got some room to improve it, but the Spurs are a very intriguing team. I, I think. I don't think that they're going for it this year. I don't think that they're going to be trying to acquire more players, but I think he could be a real player in the next couple of years with Victor Wimbanyama, and it could be a better spot for him to go to with Greg Popovich. So I'm excited. I would not pay the money to go see him in live first person uh, in his first game. I just, you know, that's, that's not for me, but I'll definitely be watching on the TV. What do you think about it? Do you think he can live up to the hype? I, well, no, because it's just so, so high. But... I mean, LeBron did though. But did he have summer league to do it? I don't. You no, know. Summer league wasn't really it wasn't I mean, a thing in 2003. Was he played in summer league? But it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a broadcasted thing like it is now. Like, but, but yeah. think back to LeBron's first game in Sacramento. Lived up to all the hype. I think it's it's hard to live up to the hype that Woj put on him. Greatest prospect in the history of team sports. How do you live up to that? I mean, you, you like can't? that's a very narrow path to live up to. It's not impossible, but 
you got to take it day by day with this guy. And, you know, if he struggles, he's not a failure. And But just let's check in with him in about two to three years. And if he is an all-star at age 20, 21, 22, okay, yeah, we got something on our hands here. I think that's, I think that's the right way to go about it. Um, that is the five at five. The biggest thing is uh, who else does he have to fend off celebrity-wise? In Vegas. Well, apparently Kevin Hart's going to be there because he's performing. Uh-oh. Uh, Mark Spears did report Dame is not in Vegas. That, there was a question that Dame could be in Vegas. He's not in Vegas, especially for this game. But there's going to be a lot of stars out for the uh, Victor Wimbanyama debut. And Kevin Hart is one of them. So we'll we'll see how that goes. You like Kevin Hart? Um, I was supposed to see his comedy show one time. And then... Something happened where maybe we got sick or something, and so we couldn't go. I was a little excited to go see it. Yeah. I like him, and um, I mean, I like his his older stuff, obviously, when he wasn't as big. Now he's, I mean, now he's like a super-duper star. Megastar. Megastar. Like Mega he, million. I mean, A-list, A-list celebrity where you can't even, you know. He's doing a lot of commercials as well. He's a little too much for me, like yeah. everywhere. You know me. Like, yeah. That, that. Slow down. Yeah, if you're all over my TV and I see you all the time, I'm going to start hating you in like four seconds. <laughs> as soon as you get popular, that's what I don't like. You're like, yeah, not for me. Yeah. But if you're unpopular, you're still getting popular, then I'm in. Victor yeah. Wimpanyama, though, by the way, Judah, rookie of the year, minus 175. Oh, man, dude. If he gets hurt, then. Yeah, but that's kind of. Where's Scoot at? Scoot second, plus 325. I will say I'm looking at bet online. Dot .ag which is your reputable that, go-to that, offshore now. That may be uh Steven's friendly offshore account. <laughs> um Scoot Henderson right now. They got uh they got a prop on him over under 15 and a half points per game in take, the regular season. Yeah, I take the over on that. Yeah, definitely take the if over. If Dame's traded, that's a, that's a dead over. Love that though. Who you, who got in the home run derby? You think Adley can make any uh make any noise? I want to say he can. I just I, it's his first derby. I feel like you've got to get in there and get the feel of it. It's just so different. The, the it's a different swing. It's I just a- feel like Adley's too pure of a hitter, and he's not a bad ball, you know, guy. You know, he he he's going to be pretty selective. I don't I don't see him winning the thing, but I hope that he wins like round one. Isn't he against Lewis Lewis Robert? Oh, Lewis Robert. Okay, because no, it's the one versus the eight seed, and it's Julio against uh, Alonso. Ah, uh, yes, it is. Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez. That's great. That's must watch first round television right there. Yeah. So uh, that'll that's be what fun. I'm really excited about. Adley, I, I'm thrilled that he's in the thing, but it's just a different event than uh, than you're do you, used to. Uh, do you buy the narrative that the home run derby swing messes up your swing for the second half of the season? It has before. Yeah, I, I've, I definitely have. Do you worry about that. that? I don't worry about the guy like Adley because he's, Adley, he's so good. Which is part of the reason why I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> Even like Julio, it doesn't bother me. Like Julio's so good. Like he'll yeah. figure it out. Well, but Julio's had a little slower start, but he's he's put it on lately. Mariners playing better lately. They won five of six. About damn time. It's about time, yeah. They're, well, they're only five hundred on the year, but it's it's been it's been a while since they've been playing good baseball. It, it's crazy to look at the record since Adley Rutschman came up to the Orioles. Like, yeah, the difference that he changed, like he changed the entire culture. Yeah, once he came up, that's how good that guy is. By the way, immaculate grid. I'm getting better. Are you? I'm getting better, but I'm also really taking my time with everyone now. Well, it's hard, it's and a- I'm not, not trying not to look anything up until I have to. I want to say today I got a 9 out of 9 though I want to say. Without looking? Maybe that was NBA. My brother my brother showed me NBA ones. NBA NFL ones. Did I do? 
Did I do the one today? Oh, I already did the one today. I must have done it last night. Yeah, maybe I didn't do it. Oh, yeah. It looks like seven out of nine. All right. looks like I haven't done it. I'll do it in the commercial break. Let you know how I do. But yeah, no, it's, you, fun. You work. it's a fun game. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how you, let's see if you beat my, uh, immaculategrid.com. Check it out. It's a fun little, score. fun little, uh, you know, time wasting game. To just if you te- love baseball, you'll be in heaven. Yeah, just test your baseball knowledge of, uh, just fun facts that you have stuck in your brain. It's the field of dreams for 2023 iPhone users. It is. It's, uh, Wordle. Isn't that the game, Wordle? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Wordle, baseball Wordle, baseball Wordle. With a twist. So I love it. You it's know, great. I, you know, I'm down with that until it gets popular, becomes an app, then I will not play it ever again. Just like Wordle. I played Wordle at the start when it was like, oh, yeah, people are posting their Wordle stats on Twitter. And what, the New York Post bought it. And I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out. I still play Wordle, but uh, it's more of a habit thing now than anything else. Yeah, see, I, I just can't do it because I'm out. Also, I never lose. That's part of it too you're that good at it i'm ridiculous at wordle it's too easy your vocab is too good i am my vocab is too good vocab five letter word by the way is that your go-to starting word (laughs) no thank god and it's not george kleofkoff's starting word either (laughs) a rose i start with a rose when i play wordle yeah come on a rose is not even a word george that's a rose this is why we can't trust george media deal yet yeah, stop playing Wordle and get a get a media deal done. Fake words on Wordle. Jeez. Rose. Right. What right. the heck? We're going to take a break here. We come back. We got more talking about here on the Bald Face Truth. Stephen Von Jr. Newby filling in for John Cazano. Bald Face Truth, Radio Network. Bald Face Truth, Stephen Von Jr. Newby filling in for John Cazano. John is out today. Always John. Even when he's out, he's still writing. Check out johnconzano.com. He wrote a piece today about uh, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Very interesting read. Give that a look. Paid subscription, not paid subscription. You know John doesn't care, but just loves when you check it out. He does a great job. Gets a lot of great research done, so always check that out. It's must-read material when you wake up for your day and you want to know the news. You start at johnconzano.com. Judah, I don't know if you caught this, and I have a problem with old-time players, whether whatever sport it is, football, basketball usually baseball is a little different because the game has changed so much but in basketball especially the old-time players hate the new players and maybe it's because of the money thing or they're just jealous or what it is same thing with football a lot of times like the older players say the you know the new players aren't tough or the quarterbacks aren't tough but dwight howard um he plays in taiwan i believe now having a nice second career over in taiwan which is great for him uh happy for him it's one of those things where he probably still wanted to be the man and knew in the NBA he couldn't be the man. He has to be a role player off the bench playing 15 minutes a night, and that's about it. Where in Taiwan, like, he's the guy. He gets to shoot threes. He gets to do stuff. He gets to fight people. But uh, he was being interviewed on Complex, and he was saying that uh, prime Dwight Howard, better than Nikola Jokic. He, he, here was Dwight talking about it. I mean, obviously... People are going to say, well, Jokic can score. He got all those offensive skills. Uh, but at the same time, I was getting 38 and 20, 45, 18, 19, 20. And I'm doing all this with twos. No threes. All twos. I'm doing this with lots. I'm not getting a lot of post-up attempts like Jokic. But I know that in my prime, it's, it's lights. It's a wrap. It's rap. I don't know if it's that easy, Dwight. And maybe you answer your own question of why you're not in the NBA anymore. No threes. 
how many players in the NBA actually can play that don't shoot three-pointers? There's not a lot. And Dwight Howard never could develop that, and that's why he might be in Taiwan. But, you know, I just have a problem with older players hating the newer generations. And I understand. Like, I'm older now. I'm 36. I look at some of these players, and I'm like, they don't play the game right. And I'm that old man. I'm the old fuddy-duddy. But at the same time, like, I understand the talent, and I see the, I see the skills that these guys have. It's a different game because of all the way that players work out now. And I just have a problem with older players coming out and saying, just disregarding, disregarding the greats. Like, Nikola Jokic, two-time MVP, probably should have been MVP again for a third straight season, but just as coming off the NBA championship, finals MVP, averaging triple doubles in the NBA finals as a seven-footer that doesn't really move well, like, insane, insanely skilled and to be like, nah, easy. I would have crushed him. I just, I hate that kind of stuff. Like, you can say that you're great at the same time, but you don't have to just, you know, say other guys aren't as good at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting because for Dwight, we saw his career. I mean, he made an NBA Finals. He did. He was great. Did he win an MVP? No. He was great, though. There was a, there was a time when it was a legitimate question. Who do you start your franchise with, Dwight Howard or LeBron James? Like, if you answered Dwight Howard, like, you weren't laughed out of the room. He was amazing. He was great. And jumping over a car, et cetera, you know, that it was, well, no, he just. That was he, Blake Griffin. That was Blake. He just put on this. He put Superman. on the Superman cape and dunked on, like, a 12-foot hoop. That's pretty cool. That that aside, I think it's actually more interesting when you go back to players from generations that you and I were not alive to watch. You know, even for me, early 90s Blazers didn't watch a whole lot of Clyde in that era. I wasn't alive for it. But even watching the Bill Walton documentary, I watched the four-part series on Bill Walton and was like, and this was, you know, after the NBA Finals. I was like, oh, Bill Walton did a lot of the stuff that Nikola Jokic is doing right now and did them better than anybody else of his era. Passing, dribbling, shooting, Definitely rebounding, outlet passing, backdoor passing. No one no one did it better than Bill Walton when Bill Walton was healthy. And I kind of needed that visual, you know, because we don't watch Bill Walton highlights all that much all the time. The Jokic stuff's right in front of us. Right. It's easy to laugh off the Dwight Howard stuff because Dwight's got the reputation that he has, and we know he has an outsized ego. But guys like Bill Walton, like, that was really beneficial for me to watch that docuseries and be like, and see some of that film and be like, wow, Walton was, I don't know if he was as, if he had the, quite the ceiling that Jokic has, but you're talking about the league MVP, even when he got hurt, he still won league MVP and won a title. Like, and the skill set that he was doing, it's not far off from what Jokic is doing right now. I think, I think Walton and Jokic are probably a lot more comparable than people think. Yeah. You, like you're crazy. If you don't think if Bill Walton was in the NBA today, he wouldn't be successful. Yeah, it'd be like ridiculous. I, I, you know, I hate when people say that they say that about a lot about Larry Bird because you know, he's a white guy that shot the ball, but you know, you look at his stats, he didn't shoot a lot of threes because threes weren't shot back then. So everyone's like, well, yeah, how great a shooter was he? Well, he was one of the best shooters of all time. And if he played in the NBA today, you know what he would be? He would be Luka Doncic, only taller and probably better. Like, that's who he would be. He would figure it out. He'd figure out a way. Just like if LeBron were to play back in the 80s when there was hand-checking, guess what LeBron would have done? He would have figured it out. He would have been great. Like, yes, if you literally insert a guy from 1964 into 2023, they probably don't play well. 
because it's a different game, but it's different training, it's different everything. So like just to say, well, Prime Dwight would just crush. It's just rap. Easy against Prime Jokic. Like, no, like Nikola Jokic is doing things we've never seen before. And he just won an NBA title. Dwight, you know, his prime seasons when he was in Orlando, I would say, you know, when he went to LA and Houston, fell off a little bit. He was 20 and a half points, 14 rebounds, 59% shooting. Really good numbers. Jokic is doing that, and he's adding eight, nine assists a game. Yeah. And so and it's he's a, shooting threes with people in his face and splashing them without it's, touching the It's rim. just one of those things where I think NBA, the NBA and NBA fans sometimes have a hard time celebrating non-Americans if they're really good. Because like you even asked Nikola Jokic, like, oh, what's your thoughts on the NBA finals? What is your memories? And he said, nothing, really. I watched European basketball growing up. My memories are, since I've been in the NBA, like, watching LeBron and the Heat play against the Spurs. Like, that's my earliest memory. Where we all want to hear, like, oh, Michael Jordan in the 90s and blah, blah. No, like, he didn't, he didn't grow up here in America. So we kind of downgrade. We're like, oh, whatever. Let's not talk about him. So I just think, I just I don't know. I have a problem when all these guys it, it goes crush the, the current players. It does go the other way, though, too. As And I'm, you know, of a younger generation. Like, sometimes we don't give the older players enough credit. Either. Just like J.J. Redick when... Uh, the, the plumbers yeah. and firemen comment. I mean, I, J.J. knows the history of the game of basketball, so I think I know where he's going, but that did come across a little disrespectful, did it not? It did. I didn't like it either. Because I mean, it's funny. It's creative. It is creative. And there might be something a little bit to it. You know, like, well, it's, like it's a said, more competitive league now than it was when Bob Cousy was playing. It's true. Or Bill Russell was playing. It's true. It's just, you know... It, it, I don't want that to diminish the greatness of those guys either. Like, yes, if you put Bob Cousy from when he played, literally just transformed him from then to now, he'd struggle, right? Like, he'd be small, he'd be slow, he wouldn't be able to shoot. Like, he wouldn't know how to play basketball because it's a completely different game. Like, you, you just, it's hard. You can't really compare eras like that because it's a totally different era. But, like, if Bob Cousy was born in 2000 and was coming into the NBA draft, you know what? He'd be fine and he would have figured it out. Like, he was born in 1928, but if he's born in 2000, he would figure it out and he'd be a really good player in the NBA now. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just hard to you know discredit everything. And the way Dwight Howard said it, it came across like he just disrespects Nikola Jokic so much and it would be so easy when it wouldn't be. Like, Nikola Jokic is awesome. And Dwight Howard was a great defensive player and it would be a great matchup. But man, I just really dislike when uh, when NBA players, especially NBA players, do this to each other. I just think it's I just think it's bad. Like I just think it's a bad look. Like you should try to support your guys at the same time. Like you can be critical. I'm very critical of a lot of players, but I also feel like I'm very fair with players. And if you do something that I like, I'll tell you that I like it. I think it's legendary. I don't like LeBron James at all. I've made that very clear. The dude is one of the best players I've ever seen, if not the best player, hands down. And so it's okay to admit both things are true. I also understand it, though, because we're in the you know era of social media and highlights everywhere, which Dwight may have had that a little bit, but not the way that it is right now. So it's easy to get jealous. You know, you knew people would thought you were great with your newspaper clippings and maybe word of mouth in the 80s and 90s and talk radio. Even in the 2000s, 2000s yeah. you know, sports talk radio, et cetera. But, you know, it's a different world when it's on social media all the time and it, there's different ways to hype guys up that there weren't even when Dwight Howard was playing. So I, I get the jealousy part of it from that aspect. It's also maybe a little jealousy that he's not in the NBA now. Like he probably still wants to be, I would guess he'd rather be in the NBA than playing in Taiwan. Uh, but he's just, you know, he, his game hasn't translated the way 
basketball has gone. Like back in the 2000s and the 2010s when he was dominant, you know, that's how basketball was played. It was a lot of, it wasn't even post-ups by him. He didn't post up a lot, but it was a lot of really big centers making plays in the middle off of offensive rebounds. He was kind of the first lob threat guy. And he, he still had that role going into the bubble with the Lakers. Like he had that role yeah. coming off the bench and he was great in that role. Like he shot 73% for the whole season with the Lakers. Like he was awesome, but he just didn't want to do it that way. He wanted to do it the way he had always done it. And now in the NBA, that's not how it transfers. He, you know, he was a guy who played a lot of drop coverage in the pick and roll and then would look to defend the rim. Well, you can't do that every time because guys are just going to come in and shoot wide open threes. So think- he just didn't adapt his game to how you play now. And I think that's the, been the real downside to his career because he couldn't because right, basketball is it's a hard. game of skill. It's hard. Dwight Howard had some of the most elite athleticism we've seen on this planet. Nikola Jokic has some of the greatest skill we've seen on this planet. So that's the difference. How can you be greater than somebody that's got way more skill than you and can play for a lot longer at a lot higher level and has won back-to-back MVPs and then won a ring in a third season? Like, how could you, I mean, Dwight can point to the stats all that he wants, but he did it with elite athleticism, like historically good. And Nikola Jokic does it with skill that we've probably no. not seen before. We never seen it. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, Walt, uh, Walton's close though. I think Walton. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're right. Walton and Jokic are a lot alike with the way they play. And, you know, after me saying this about Dwight, he didn't make the top 75 list on the NBA's all time. 75 probably should have. You think so? Yeah. You take Dame off? Yep. No. Dwight had a better career than Damian Lillard. Eight-time All-NBA, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. NBA champion. Led his team to the finals with the Magic. Five-time All-Defensive Team. How how old is Dwight? He's 37. Do you think Dame at age 37 is playing in Taiwan? No. But I think, like, accolade-wise, I think Dwight's had a better career than Dame. Plays a different position. It's easier. He does. Easier? I don't know. Big guy in guard? That's a good question there. You're right. Guards are probably to a get, harder. To get those accolades at that position is probably a little easier than to do it at guard when you're playing in the era of Steph and Chris and all the other elite guards that Dame's had to play against. Well, Dwight will be a Hall of Famer. That's for and sure. And Dame never got a chance to play with Hito Turkoglu. Like, I mean, come on. I almost did. Right? It depends. When was that year? I mean, I'm assuming he knew would have probably been on the Blazers when Dave was there. I'm trying to remember when Hito was in our airport talking about RFAs. Well, he left. Well, that was an RFA. Like, he he just, he was on the market, didn't he? And he just straight up agreed with Orlando again? No, he went to Toronto. Toronto, oh my gosh. Uh, 2009-2010, he went to Toronto. Just before Dame then. So, yeah, he he would have signed that contract. Hey, Blazers probably would have been too good to get Dame. Actually, it was the Brooklyn Nets pick, so it didn't matter. Yeah, we got what a what a Dame combo, Hidu, what a combo oh, that would have been. Dame Hedo, the Terrica Glillard. <laughs> That's just like Shaden Sharp <laughs> and Scoot Henderson. Let's be real. All right, take a break. Come back, wrap it up uh, as we head into the weekend here. The Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano, BFT Radio Network. Bald Face Truth. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano. Last segment of the show as we wrap it up for the weekend. Summer League. Report here for the Portland Trailblazers. Scoot Henderson, 13 points in the first quarter, ends the game with 15. And when I say ends the game, the game's not over, but he has been officially ruled out of the rest of the game with a shoulder injury. Blazers PR put that out there. 
He will not return to the game tonight. Uh, again, nothing to be alarmed by, but uh, you know this happened to Shane Sharp last year. He played Sharp played like three minutes and then got uh, injured out for the whole summer league. So Scoot Henderson, I'm not saying he's out for the rest of summer league already, Judah. But I, would it shock me if Scoot Henderson plays zero more minutes in summer league? Wouldn't shock me. We saw enough. Wouldn't shock me either, but. I hope a little not. bit disappointing. I mean, the last thing we really need is another star to get injured early in Rip City. I hope, uh, yeah, again, I hope he plays uh, coming up because I would love to see the Scoot versus Wimbin Yama game because that does that right. is going to happen. I would love to see that. You would love to see uh, Scoot not be hurt fully uh, in summer league, but and hopefully, like you know, hopefully it's just something minor and precautionary. Yeah, Trailblazers uh, down by two here, last five minutes of the game as uh, game one, Summer League wrapping up. But Scoot Henderson, uh, the big news is he did leave the game with a shoulder injury, but I am assuming it's not that bad. Uh, but we will find out. We'll uh, report back next week as the weekend is approaching. Um, Judy, we talked about uh, you know Immaculate Grid real quick. I want to get back to this. I um, I love it. Uh, did you do the one today? Because you should know a couple of them because the St. Louis Cardinals are involved. I absolutely did the one today. I actually did it last night because I think it resets at like 9 Pacific time. Okay. And so I think I had it. I gave it my best effort before I went to bed last night. I, I've been in and out of it during the commercial breaks. I'm almost done with it, but okay. it's, it's exciting. Um, Who? Uh, it's just fun. What? what? category have you gotten already uh i've gotten all i've gotten the uh, all of them except for the the, the who's a guy who played for the tigers and the rockies and a player who played for the tigers and braves so basically tigers that those are the exact two boxes that i couldn't get either yeah i'm done i gotta think about that a little more my my i'm really proud of myself with the cardinals rockies combo i got okay let's let's do three two one and say who we had for the cardinals rockies right? all right Ready? three two one daryl Wilson. <laughs> Daryl Kyle, you remember him? Rest in peace. Yeah, you he passed he, away. He was he was good for a sec. Good little pitcher. Preston Wilson, that's a good one too. Zero point two percent of answers. Preston yeah, Daryl Kyle. Daryl Kyle zero point eight. Oh, I thought mine was gonna beat you. That's that's impressive. How about Rockies Yankees? <laughs> Rockies. Did you, did you get that one yet? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, here that was go. an easy one though. Three, two, one. <laughs> DJ Lemay. Oh, Matt Holiday. I don't know. I saw the DJ LeMahieu, and I was like, I, I, Matt Holiday was a way quicker answer for me than DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I guess that's an obvious Yeah, LeMahieu, because he, he's won the batting title in both the NL and the AL. That's pretty, yeah, that's, that's pretty strong. He's good. Uh, that's pretty yeah. strong. So, uh, yeah. But I haven't paid attention to baseball in the last five years the way that I did when Matt Holiday was playing. Matt Holiday, dude, that's a good one. You're welcome. Matt Holiday started with the Rockies. You forget that. They made yeah, the World dude, Series. Oh seven. Oh, sorry. Shane Sharp just dunked all over uh, Jay Huff there. I love Jay Huff too, by the way. But Shaden Sharp is the best. That's uh, a great sentence. Shaden Sharp dunks all over Jay Huff. You remember Jay Huff, local, University of Virginia? Yeah, he's my local postman. Jay Huff, <laughs> everyday Jay, carries the mail around. Just got dunked on by Shaden. Oh, he looks like a mailman. He does not. Not the mailman, Carl Malone. Not Carl Malone. Woo! That was a primal scream out of Shaden. Shane, man, he's he's great. I, I'm telling you, like the Blazers, they may not have a great winning win loss record this year, but they're going to be at least be exciting. Uh, you know, do you think these guys know who Britney Spears is? Shane Sharp? No, no. Why would they? I'm just trying to make sure no one gets in trouble this week. Well, hopefully, Brit- I, don't, I don't want Britney up in Shane's business. All right, I'm watching the video, Britney was in the wrong. Well, yeah, it's Britney. It's Britney B. When, when is she in the right? 
when she shaved her head and went crazy. Oh my gosh. Forgot about that. And had crazy eyes. Um, the hit me Wimby one more time is just such a great line. Hit me Wimby one more time. Bow, it, now, now. Oh, Wimby, Wimby. <laughs> How was I supposed to know oh, you'd slap me in the face? <laughs> is that just seeing Britney right there? Um, That's pretty good. No, I don't. Percentage of summer league guys that know Britney Spears, it's got to be like one. <laughs> but Britney's in the wrong. Like you can't just run really, up to people. Man, I thought she was older than forty-one. Put it that way. He just if Ryan Seacrest is like fifty-something. Then I thought Britney was more than forty-one. Nah, Britney. She's still young. Yeah, she is. She's still out there. Young at heart. But yeah, I mean, you can't run up to Victor Wembanyama and say, "Hey, Victor," and then grab his shoulder. That's just so wild to me. Like she fangirled over uh, Victor Wembanyama, who's played zero minutes in the NBA, and she thought he was a uh, British, or at least she used a British accent. Which the whole, is also the whole story is wackadoo, man. Dude, it's a wild. It's it's my favorite story and just most bizarre story of the year so far. Vegas. What happens in Vegas Jeez, stays in Vegas, Louise. I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just Brittany. Go watch that video if you haven't seen it. It's all over the internet because it's definitely uh, it's definitely funny because Brittany just runs up and like grabs his shoulder and then she gets her hand smacked into her own face with glasses on. Stop hitting yourself, Brittany. <laughs> That's exactly what the the, the the security did for Victor Wimpanyama. Just said, "Hey, Brittany, stop hitting yourself." I love the police report. The police say that Brittany smacked herself. <laughs> That's just, okay, thanks, police. Is that a better line, or is Victor Wimbanyama's security slaps Britney Spears better? Um, Britney slaps probably, herself. Probably slap yourself is better. Slap yourself. Love it. Love that. Who is your Yankee 40 home run season? Oh, Aaron Judge. I went with Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McGuire. I had Mark McGuire, yep. And then I had uh, Cecil Fielder. I also had Cecil Fielder. That only leaves the Cardinal and the Braves. Marcelo Zuna. I went Rafael for call. Dude. Because he was the shortstop on our World Series team in 11. I forgot he was on the Cardinals. I uh, I love Rafael for call. Love Rafael for call. He is a legend in the Vaughn baseball video game household. See, I thought of Rafael for call way before I thought of Marcelo Zuna. That tells you, like, I haven't been thinking about baseball in the last five years the way that I did in the last... 25 before that. And then you got Yankees, Braves, David Justice. Oh, yeah. I had David Justice I just way. Again, I hate David Justice with a passion because he hit the home run off Arthur Rhodes. I'll never forgive him. It's one of my memories in my childhood. I'll never forget. My, was rough. My dad called it on the spot. I'll never forget. He's like, oh, Arthur Rhodes, he's going to choke. Smack. Home run. Mariners lose. Out of the playoffs. Awesome. Old Yankee Stadium in October, man. Are we going to miss that? I've, I am worried about the pitch clock thing in, in Major League Baseball. I really am. Well, we'll still get big moments, right? It'll just be less dramatic in between pitches. But isn't that the best part, the, the drama? Yeah, it is the best part. You're right. Maybe it's a thing. When we come back next weekend, is Damian Lillard on the Portland Trailblazers? Judah, make your prediction. Yeah, I think this thing's going to last a while. I agree. First, I think it's the first quarter. I think it's the first quarter. And I think there's a lot you could read into it. Go and look at the tweet that he had at uh, 750 the game at us. I, I think there's stuff you could read into it. I don't know if Dame wants to be back in Portland. I don't know if he wants to be traded, but I do think that there's a miscommunication, whether it's between Dame and uh, Aaron Goodwin, Goodwin, Aaron Goodwin, Dame and the Blazers, Aaron Goodwin, the Blazers, 
everybody, there's miscommunication everywhere. And I think it's going to be a little bit before it gets solved. And it's not going to be solved anywhere quickly. But I'm excited. And, you know, I'm excited with this first game by the Portland Trailblazers Summer League team. Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp era has begun in Rip City. I'm excited. Victor Wimagama warmed up. The NBA is back. And it's the summertime. With that, I want to thank John Cazano as always. Thank Judah Newby for his help always. Thank you for listening. I'm Stephen Vaughn. This is the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.